colossal waste of time. I am Carl, and with me here I have... I'm Fraser, and it's great to be here. It's It's been a while. We, we've we've had an interesting interesting month and a bit there. An arc has played out that is related to the episode. We, um, we, we willed uh, events into being, I, yeah, I believe. Yeah. Yeah, uh, there's there's like fate that took place, but uh, just for any listeners uh, tuning in on this episode randomly, this is a home stuck read along podcast where one of us is a beginner and the other is not. We are currently in the fourth episode, pages seven hundred and fifty eight, into maybe one one five three. And it's probably a good the app. It's good. It's a good idea that you you remind people that that's what this podcast is about at the start, <laughs> so that people don't come in assuming, oh, this is the racist doll podcast. Yes, because that's what Welcome we're going to talk about. There's to the so racist much... doll cast. Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> Welcome to the racist doll cast. Uh, so yeah, we've got a fair bit to discuss before we even get into the meat and bones. Of, of this episode. Uh, first, I figured I'd actually go through the email replies that we got from uh, uh, from last episode. We did we're we're going to give the listeners their dessert before they have to eat the vegetables and hearing us talk about racist dolls. <laughs> yes, yes, we are. Uh, so, we asked last episode, well, I asked, and you also weren't aware, uh, what tab was. And listener of the show, friend of the show, Ducent responds... Tab was a cold war from the 1960s, 70s, where they, that is to say, soda jerks, close bracket, were doing their first attempts at replacing sugar with artificial sweeteners. In this case, saccharin. It had notes of ass and medicine. I feel like it went flat super quickly as well. Didn't make you shit your pants like Sucralose. Sucralose? Sucralose, yes. There you go. It died in the Oortster. He also says that Phaser is correct about the flag on mailboxes in the US. I don't think anyone actually uses that functionality, though. Who sends letters? Who has stamps? Just go to the post office. Anyways, the mayor. What a guy. That's Deucent signing out there. So yeah, Thanks there very go. much, Deuce, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so the, the description of uh, Tab apparently tasting like uh, ass and medicine uh, reminds me very much of uh, when we tried Moxie. Yes, yeah, on yes. A, on our stint in the United States, that that's very much how I describe the the flavor profile of that. So, I I may, maybe maybe Tab tasted better than Moxie. I would hope so. I, I <laughs> but, would have actually described the taste of Moxie as uh, medicine and sweat rather than uh, it, did, it did have a bit of salt to it, didn't it? Yeah, yeah, it was not good. It was not good. Yeah, we went over there for listeners unaware for a wedding and. We tried a lot of different drinks over there. We we were basically trying all the beers and soft drinks that we could possibly find. Yeah, yeah, because because we have a kind of very homogenous food culture in the UK. Like we we don't have like the vast array of brands that that like North America has or Europe or Europe to be honest I wouldn't really even say that we don't have the vast array of brands it's that we don't have the any more we don't have like a 
a micro soft drink or like micro sort of brewery or distillery we, we or botanical culture. We have barely any soft drinks in the UK these days. Ever yeah. since the sugar tax, we... Uh, <laughs> Ever since I, the I, sugar I hate, tax! I hate to, to sound like this because I remember people like being all like nanny states, what's going on in the 2000s, are thinking, oh, those, those people always like to complain about the government, don't they? But then the sugar tax happened and I understood perfectly what people yeah. have been complaining about for decades. Because, and then they did a second sugar oh. tax, and they also did multiple beer taxes. It used to be that you could buy, like, a, a four-pack of beer for, like, two quid in this country. <laughs> yeah. So, like, um, good luck finding a full-sugar Vimto anymore, good luck finding a full-sugar Tizer. Iron Brew's dead forever, never getting that back. At least we still have Iron Brew Energy. We just still have Iron Brew Energy, get. yeah. Yeah, you have to go to Farm Foods, but you can get it. You can get it. Yeah. Um, so should yeah. I take the second email? Um, so I'd have to send you the wording of the email. No, unless... I, I, I have it. You already sent it to me. Okay, if you want to make that the second, that was not the second I was going to read. Oh, okay. If there was another email that I missed, then you didn't send it to me. I've only got the two emails you've you've sent me. <clears throat> it was this actually is... Discord direct messages, but I'm counting ah. it as an email. Okay, okay. Uh, so this email is from Colby. Mm-hmm. Hi, Carl and Fraser. Really enjoying your podcast so far. I've listened to a few different Homestead podcasts. Can't get enough of people talking about it for some reason. And each one gives me new insights into the comic. Specifically, the two of you have very different take on Mum Lalonde than what I've heard from most fans, which is making me reconsider her as a character. And your insight in the most recent episode that the imps don't actually attack John and possibly aren't, ad- aren't as adversarial as we instinctively believe has completely blown my mind. And I'm still figuring out how to interpret that. I'm British as well. So it's also very cool to get a British perspective on the comic. Anyway, looking forward to the next episode, whenever you get the time to record. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, sorry about that one, Colby. (laughs) And and here's a picture of my desktop, as requested for your scientific analysis. Question mark? Yes, there are reasons why icons are arranged in that specific pattern, but they only make sense to me, Colby. Thanks very much, Colby. I appreciate it. Thank you for getting in touch, Colby. And I will get to the desktops. That is God, a scheduled. Desktop. Yes, that is a scheduled. You got a segment. lot more desktops than I thought. Oh, you I would. got so many desktops. I got like twelve desktops. Um, what I will say quickly on Colby's desktop is uh, I, I noticed your little search box uh, in the bottom left, the Windows search box. It has a bowl hat, a cane, and a tie in it. You've gone full dad Egbert energy uh, with, <laughs> the, with the, the search ser- box. Serious business skin. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I respect it. The serious business skin is real. Yeah. And to, um, to touch touch on the Mumlalon stuff, obviously I know more about what the general like perception amongst fans is of her character, so I, I know more about where the points of difference lie. And honestly, like when I first read the comic, I probably would have had a more like orthodox take on on her character but having reread it and seeing seeing like just just i think being older has has given me a bit more of an understanding like reading this as a as an 18 19 year old i didn't have the same sort of life experience and kind of understanding of what adulthood really meant to 
have any sort of actual perception of what the adult characters in the lives might be like. But now, being an adult, I can look at adult characters like like Rose's mum and think, yeah, no, obviously there's going to be stuff happening like that we're not privy to, that's the child characters in the story aren't privy to, and that is just as real as stuff that's being explicitly told you about characters. I don't know if that's how you feel about it, Carl. Uh, More or less, more or less. My perspective is more just um, Rose's own view of her mum is coloured yes. by her age. It is mm. it is painted by her teenage understanding of her parents as being lame, as being flawed, um, because that's sort of the age at which you start to see flaws, and that's also the age at which you start to actually understand and perceive the world. It's where you start forming actually critical opinions of the things around you, and one of the first things you'll do that to it's your own parents, likely, because they're the, f- the thing you've known the longest. Uh, so I feel like at least if I walk through my own memories of myself and other people around me, at that age, all the opinions that were hypercritical were of parents. Like I remember mm. having lots of discussions with friends where their where their position on their parents was just very, very negative, very, very respectful. And then by the oh, time they yes. get to 20, 25... If they're really immature, maybe still happening for me. I am 29. <laughs> um, maybe if you're really immature, uh, they start to like balance. They start to balance out a fair bit. Mm. And and well, often you would you would see how your friends like considered their own parents, and then you'd meet their parents and be able to compare them to your own parents and think, well, what's this person complaining about? There are yeah, all of these ways sad. in which. In which their parents seem like like normal, decent people that you can't perceive about your own parents because you've got those blinders on, but mm. you can see it in their parents and and yeah, I I I think it's just a matter of we're we're viewing these this story mostly through teenagers' eyes at this point. Yes, yeah. yeah. the 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 adult characters are being made deliberately less knowable. And as yeah, such, they, that's they go, are that's intentionally to, opaque. Mm. They don't have any lines so far, unless it's nanosprite. Right, they are like, exactly. They're mostly shadows, actual shadows <laughs> that appear in the background. <laughs> um, what I'll also say, Carlby, on the thing about the uh, imps not attacking John on instinct, uh, that some of that might be disproven this episode. Uh, however, what I'll say I, is, I, I feel I vindicated on the. I feel vindicated on the ogres. I, I, I said I said that well, the ogres were no good and they've been nothing but violence. What I'll say is here's my caveat. John attacked first. He attacked the ogres first in both of the times we see him fighting. He starts off is swinging he? wildly. He does yeah, not give I, them yeah. a chance to reason. I suppose. May, yeah, may, maybe maybe they all have short tempers. Maybe they don't easily forgive and forget. Mate, if if I smacked your foot with a hammer <laughs> If that was the first thing I did to you, you'd think, this guy's a fucking dick. Well, I'd, I'd ask questions first, maybe. <laughs> no, but... I don't think you would. I think you'd be like, ah! I think that's what you'd do first. <laughs> you'd scream in agony. Okay, okay yes, yes. And yeah. then you'd probably try and get rid of the person that's swinging a hammer at you. If they start with your foot, what's next? <laughs> what you're saying is that hurt people hurt people. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. 
like, and that we're going... applies to imps and ogres alike. Yeah, I'm, like we're going full castle doctrine for imps and uh, imps and ogres here. They attacked first. <laughs> Um, our third email. Uh, let's get on to this. So, because we're already like ten minutes in here. Oh no! no from... This is this is content. We're, yeah, we're not we're content, not wasting yeah. time here. We're not we're not on racist doll alerts yet. Oh yeah, yeah. Wait until we get there. Um, so, third email of the show or uh, message from the show from friend of the show, Jester. Hello, I work for the US Postal Service. The red flag does indeed indicate that you have mail in the box that you want to be picked up. It's apparently not used that often, which explains why so people know what it's for. Hussey also seems to have thought that it meant that there was mail to be received in the box, like like we thought, actually. Um, and you can see this, well, like I thought, and you can see this with uh, John collecting his copy of Suburb. Mm. Um, so there we go. We have one of the frontline staff of the postal service workers. Big up yes. the posties. Back thank, thank you for your service, Jester. Yes, you're, thank you're, you. You're, you're, you're a hero. <laughs> Keeping society going, <laughs> or what's worth of it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, big big ups to the uh, delivery service workers mm. uh, all over the world. Uh, and and I should for for the sen- for the sake of um, transparency, after we recorded that episode, I did realise where I had learnt the fact about the. Uh, the arm of the mailbox, meaning that you had outgoing mail. I actually learnt it from one of the sequels to Homestuck, Pestiquest. Did I mention Pestiqu- it in that? Because in um, the first episode of Pestiquest, which is about John, there is, a, and it's written by Andrew Hussey, that episode, there is a bit where it, they acknowledge that the way that mailboxes actually work is completely different to the way that they're shown to work from John's understanding. It, That's it, actually it, a good callback. Yes, like like at, at some point between starting and ending Homestuck, Andrew Hussey actually learns how mailboxes <laughs> work and writes that into into it the post a basic Homestuck. thing about the society <laughs> yeah. that he lives in. <laughs> yeah, no, I yeah. So so I I was I was plucking that from like the the miasma of Homestuck, like. Minutia that exists in my head to 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 bring that up, but uh, but yeah, like it it it's very foreign to us because our postal system entirely works through through holes in our literal holes in our doors. We have no yeah. uh, no way of conceptualizing like how mailboxes should work. I imagine if you had a mailbox in this country, it'd be like um, it'll be a case of like. Someone on the local estate stealing your council estate bins, yeah, um, yeah, which is really common here. Yeah, Someone nicks your bin. So in the UK, people will steal your bin. People will make signs like they'll make a little poster that they Pe- laminate print onto. Yeah, they do. Yeah, they do. They'll make a laminate plaster, like a sticker that they'll put on their bin. This is John and Daisy's bin. Do not steal belongs to house 1748 mm. god knows yeah. road Pe- people like, will paint their house numbers on the big bins so mm-hmm. that so that people will know if it's in like the wrong place if someone's stolen it uh i've seen people um put thumbtacks around the inside of bins to stop people <laughs> from yeah ma- like 
It's like the thing where, like, did you ever see the warnings years ago about um, fascist event flyers where people would send around ones like, be careful, take right, him down, yes, people, he might have people a razor blade sta- underneath. Yes, yes, I, it was it was during um, the Britain First marches around 2019, yeah, they yeah. were saying that they were putting up um, Britain First stickers, but putting razor blades underneath yeah. them. Yeah, so as someone who's taken down plenty off, of those, yeah. yeah, as someone who's taken down plenty of those fucking things, not wanted to have my fingers sliced open. But it's a bit knows? too much effort. To, to yeah, this, but... it is. It requires actually going to Superdrug and buying a bunch of straight, like, double-edged safety vases to do it with. But, um... <clears throat> okay, Carl, let's get into the desktops. I know you're dying to talk about the desktops. No, nah, no, I actually truncated the desktop down into a summary, an executive summary. I'm you've, an you've run the stats, mind. have you? Uh, no, no, I didn't, run, I didn't run the stats. I didn't bother. It was only 12. You don't <laughs> need to run the stats on 12. So, uh, but, so, but do you have a definitive best and worst desktops of the uh, desktops I, you've I received? have a most perverted desktop, which is all that counts. <laughs> Um, so rather than go through them one by one, I have cleared them. Um, the majority of users, they, they seem to align their desktops, uh, the icons on the desktop on the left side of the screen. However, when they remove a program, they tend not to fix the hole that it leaves in there. And this leaves <laughs> a horrifying gap on the screen, which begs the question of what was there before? Why are you hiding? What did you remove? But some use like both sides of the screen like they'll put yep. half on one side half on the other i i'm one of those no you're not there's even well, worse what, I, there's I, even I, worse there's some people that like have multiple columns of things that they run like you got the left column you got your right column then you got a middle column you got a middle, I don't have column. A middle column okay i don't have a middle column um and i i never understand like what what like when I look at the icons that are there, the middle column does not seem to follow any rhyme or reason or logic. What are you doing? So what are you w- doing? I thought I thought the case was that the one with the middle column was a multi-screen display. No, 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 no. I've seen single-screen displays where there's a middle column. I made sure to check, like, are these ultra-wides? Are these multiple screens? Like, I was looking at the start bar and everything, trying to... Uh, trying to go full analysis mode on this. No, this is someone who has like a column on the left, column on the right, and then just like slap bang in the middle of the desktop background, like just a third column. The third columnists. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Jesus. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. uh, (laughs) And I'm like, what's going on here? Like, there seems to be a cohesive system to the left, a cohesive system to the right. And I don't agree with either of the systems. Uh, but the third column had no system whatsoever. It was bits of both. Bits of both. And you know that whenever there's a third column that's bits of both, you've got a problem going on there. there there's some sort of conflict. Yeah, there's some sort of conflict going on, yeah. Um, like you, you've, got, you've got two armies set up, and then the middle is no man's land, where the columns, <laughs> where the icons go to die. Yes. Um a lot of people seem to use like the rotating stock windows pictures as their background and like what the f- have you not got a personality sorry to brutalize ooh, any of our ooh. listeners who are like this but you've got to have a fucking background man you've got to have something the, that says something about you i i i warned i warned people last episode like <laughs> if, if you if you sent your desktop to, to carl <laughs> this is what you're gonna get he's not gonna be nice <laughs> okay um 
then, like, the, the most perverted desktop I saw uh, was the one that was actually closest to mine, and yet that one, that little tiny difference was so, <laughs> so much to say it deep into the perverted territory. And that's Deuce. Deuce, your desktop is two monitors, one of which is horizontal and the other one which is vertical, with one image that combines into a third... Like the, there's a full third of the image missing. Was... The bottom left corner of your image is just fucking missing. And if I yet, remember correctly, Deuce's background is earthbound, isn't it? Yes, it's earthbound, yes. yeah. See, um, I, I thought that was a great setup. I, I it, do not agree with you on that being the most no, no. The, the thing that is wrong about it is, first of all, there's a chunk missing. It is an image where he has made it so that there is a third of the screen missing. The bottom left horizontal bar is just gone. That is wrong. That is just not right. Second of all, he has an almost entirely clean, clean screen except for two icons two icons oh, man. one which one is a recycling bin and the other is just like a folder what is going on what's going on with that folder what's what's that folder what's that folder what's, what's going on inside in that? that folder is the secret second desktop <laughs> There are desktops all the way down. No, that's where the third third of his uh, of his actual desktop screen picture is. You've got to go in there to really appreciate it. Um, but yeah, it comes so close to being perfect, so close to being right, and it's just corrupted, just just damaged from pure perfection by those couple little errors. And the worst habit I've seen—it's not the worst desktop, but the worst habit—is something that you do phaser oh uh, yeah yeah but Which is... it works for me i like it i am well, and i'm not gonna be shamed by you i well, i'm the, the, not gonna the... be <laughs> but i need to say it so like it's organizing your desktop items craftily in like a ring to avoid damaging the central focus of your desktop art Oh, so what you wanted me to do was disrespect Alphanote by just covering Alphanote in, in icons. <laughs> Why would I ever ask someone to disrespect Alphanote? Nah, disrespect Ishtola, sure. <laughs> well, no, the, yeah. the, pro- the problem is Ishtola's... Um, is, is it... Uh, uh, no, she's I have to bring up my... Covered. D- Barely covered. Right, um, but she's near the centre is the problem. Like, Alpha, yeah. Alpha knows at the end, Alpha knows at most at risk of... Like, if I was setting up my uh, desktop in the way that you, like, <clears throat> you would say is the normal way of having all of the icons on the left side, then Alpha would be completely obscured. Yeah, he would be. I'm but, trying like, to protect him. <laughs> but the, the thing that hurts me walking at that is, like, what is the system? going on with this like with the actual organization of images it seems like you've completely askewed function for for form. it's vibes it's it's personal yeah. vibes like it, it's it's not not to not to get too far ahead of ourselves but it's kind of like jade's um reminder bands i just have oh. icons in specific places so that i so that i know how the icons are grouped so that i know immediately where to look to find them on the screen if i'm going to them okay so long as the system works for you as it's, long as the system I, I i i it's 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 not it's not led me astray <laughs> it's not blown up in my face yet speaking this, of blowing up on, in your face <laughs> my own desktop. Ooh. Yes. Um, yeah. 
so I forgot the other half of my my actual desktop anecdote. Like we were recording last time, and I forgot to tell you the other important part. So I mentioned that my background is the Mister Mister Boop, um, Alex Boop. Um, mm. I don't think Alex, you mentioned Alex that on the recording, but you did yeah. mention to it. Yeah, it to I, I me was afterwards. like, oh shit, I forgot to mention this bit. The Alec yeah. Robbins, like, hands on his face, sort of uh, crying. That was one of my three monitors. The other monitor was actually the blue screen from that same video. Do you remember what the blue screen in that same video is, Fraser? The blue screen. Yeah. I I remember there being a shot of um like real life Alex Robbins sing, sitting naked in a chair, but that wasn't no. the blue screen. No, no. Um, it's the same art style of like uh, oh, the higher detail. It's, it's um it's Bugs Bunny dressed in his Quiznos uniform, about to shoot himself in the head, isn't it? Yes, 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 it is. Um, it is Bugs Bunny with a barrel of a gun in his mouth. Um, and that was my other screen, uh, like my other desktop on my other screen. And, uh, I had, I originally set up that to be my system. Uh, when that came out, like the day it came out, I was like, no, this is perfect. This is my future right here. And less than a month after that, um, it was in the middle of COVID. I was teaching at a university at the time, doing online classes. And that meant everyone was using Zoom screen share functionality. Uh, one time I accidentally minimized the, um, the, the PowerPoint I was using as like, uh, my, my notes for teaching. And then I had to respond to a fair few questions from students of why my desktop background was Bugs Bunny in a weird uniform about to blow his brains out to a group of 18 year olds who were trying to learn about political economy. <laughs> It, it, and it's it's not it, it's not like there's a very easy explanation to, to... no no uh, so what I ended up actually doing is I played the ending for Mister Mister oh, Jesus Christ Carl <laughs> like because that's that's not even going to explain it because you no, you need not. to have watched End of Evangelion to understand what's going on <laughs> you need to have read all of Mister Mister Boop and watched all of Evangelion you need to have so much background information but I was like okay guys. This will explain it all. I I I had a thing of like of poorly explained references that I had or poor like references that I had to poorly explain over the next like year or whatever of teaching a specific group. Like um last year I had a thing where I kept making the most obscure oblique references to uh the first Soviet Union Pizza Hut advertisement and not one oh, the, student the, Go- got the Gorbachev yeah. one, yeah. Yeah, the Gorbachev advertisement. Well, that's, that's history. That's important history to know. Yeah, but is it a, is it history that an 18-year-old will know? <laughs> well, they, <laughs> no. they won't know it, but they should know it. They- no, they won't, because who? what 18-year-old goes to Pizza Hut? I, I certainly can't think of many Pizza Huts around me anymore. Wh- which former Russian premiers go to Pizza Huts? Only one. <laughs> Only one. And he brought us division. No, he brought us prosperity. Oh. Uh, if if you're listening to this and you're a Homestuck fan and you've not read, if you, and if you've listened to this and not known what we're talking about, you should go 
and read Mr. Boop by yes. Alex Robbins. It's it's yeah. a great it's a great webcomic. It's only about two hundred pages long or such, maybe <clears> even <throat> less than that. It got really, really big during the pandemic. Like it got really big during big. the pandemic. Yeah. And as a bonus, it's canonical to <clears throat> Homestuck. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which the, Carl didn't realize at the time because uh, because you you it, it it it's it's not blinking you miss it. It's an entire page, but it, it Alex Robbins is a is a home is obviously a homesick reader, and he brings that into into the fold of the plot of the comic. Yeah, it's like a Star Wars extended universe novel right there. <laughs> you, you can have so much more enjoyment if you go and go and read it. Uh, yeah, definitely go do that. It's it's the only other web comic. I have actually read in full, and it was good. It was yeah, good. no, uh, um, I I can't really recommend his his porn comics that he ended up doing afterwards. Speaking of which, uh, I would not recommend following Alec Robbins on Twitter with your work account um, because he is the thirstiest motherfucker on the planet. Oh god, yeah, that, that that's become a trend on on Twitter. There are a lot a lot of the the comics that are popular on Twitter. Often, often will just randomly be very not safe for work out of nowhere. You have to be careful. Yeah, and everyone like like you get to see every single OnlyFans content creator that this person follows because they keep retweeting them. <laughs> they just can't stop. <laughs> nah, they can't stop. They can't stop. Um, I will also say on desktops that ultra wide monitor desktops are just terrifying to look at. That's the end. That is terrifying. Thank you anyway. very much for indulging Carl with this desktop thing. Hopefully we never have to speak of it again. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, this has been the email replies. If you want to write in about anything we say, have said, or will say, feel free to do so. <laughs> if you want THPA- to preempt something that we'll say, if you yes. know what's happening later in the comic and you want to, like... <laughs> Yeah, if you are Jade... you're superior to us. If you are Jade, uh, Garden Gnostic, for those who don't even bother reading the comic, why are you you here? Shout out to the real heads, the people listening along who do have no (laughs) idea what anything means, because they're not even looking at any visual aids. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, you can write in at theapuk at gmail.com. If you want to write in... That's how you do it, and we will read you out. We will shout you out. And uh, while growth is also going well, I actually still have no fucking clue how to promote a Homestuck podcast. So if you could also do us a favor, share it in your Homestuck spaces. I don't know what they are, where they are, or how they they're, are, but do They're it. out there. Like, I, I don't, I don't, like... We we talk a lot about YouTube algorithms in in our community and how 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 rabbit holes can form in in your YouTube recommendations. But I've seen some like recent videos on YouTube, like released within the past few months, about Homestuck that are getting views. Yeah. So people are still out there consuming the the content with regularity. Yeah, I actually need to get around to putting this on YouTube. It's just that it is not on the same upload feed as all the others, mm. uh, all the other channels that were distributed for. And also, we might we might have some problems with copyright with the music and and the like if we go on possibly. YouTube. Possibly, yeah, possibly. I'd figure it out. Though. I'd figure it out. Anyway, 
On to the racist other dolls. Major story. Racist dolls. Yeah. Racist dolls. Racist dolls. Let's go to the most British story you could possibly yeah. imagine. So, I can't believe this all came out of you <laughs> looking at little Lil Cal and saying he was like a white gollywog. And then, like, <laughs> literally, gollywog? like. Like, literally, like, two days after we recorded that episode, UK (laughs) News blew up. Yeah, on Homestuck Day. On Homestuck Day itself. Yes, uh, UK News blew up with headlines of a racist pub that had a collection of gollywog dolls behind the bar. Not just, like... Not just, like, one that they were like, they didn't know what it was, they didn't know what it was there for. It was, like... 30 of the fuckers just staring across the bar at you. Including... You got, like, a bottle of bells. You got, yeah. like, uh, the, the pump that does, like, the the, the the tap that pours out a really, really old bitter. And then you got, like, 20 gollywog dolls. Just Including a, a token white one, which I found <laughs> fascinating. <laughs> yeah, we like, I don't know if you saw the white one, but on, <laughs> yes, like, I the did. bit... Yeah. And it didn't look like Lil Cal, to be honest. <laughs> nah, but Will Cow is definitely. Like definitely the, the, vi- the 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 vibes are off. Like I I know I know uh, Dues also shares your opinion that that Lil Cow is inherently racist. Yes. in in an esoteric way. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so, Faisal, what happens uh, with the racist doll collection? So, so like obviously, this pub has had racist dolls for like years and years, and <laughs> known and, a known racist doll hotspot. But they, yes, they they are they have been a racist doll hotspot, and only recently, like a guy decided to like tell the police about this because mm-hmm. maybe owning racist dolls and displaying them is a hate crime. Possibly. <laughs> Maybe it violates a bunch of different pieces of legislation in the yeah. UK. <laughs> so the police looked into this and they found um, the Facebook page for the pub itself and the owners of the pub, in which multiple times they uh, they referenced like lynchings yeah. and... And they had like photos of like the the dolls hanging from string and the like and like doing the nodding and winking, eh, eh, see what we did there, sort of stuff. So the police went round and they confiscated all of the dolls. Now, a normal person might reflect on the police coming round and collect and confiscating all of your racist dolls, but if you're the premier racist doll pub in the UK, what you're actually going to do is you're going to send word out to all of the other people in the country who own racist dolls and ask them to send you their spare racist dolls so you can have an even bigger racist doll display. Uh, what does Lemmy say? What is what is this the year of, Faisa? What is it? It's don't back down. Double, double down. down. <laughs> Don't back down. Double, double down. down. <laughs> so one of the very first things this couple did is they sent out pictures from their in-pub CCTV footage of the cops themselves ripping the racist dolls from the shelves and putting them in a black bin bag. And my first thought with that was, you know, they're probably not actually confiscating these because they think they're against the law. It's like Southeast Police. They're probably taking them back because the, the deputy <laughs> wants them for his own collection. 
Oh, no. See, see, one of the things I, I would have liked out of this that we didn't get is, you know when they do, like, the knife confiscations on um, the streets of, like, Durham, and mm. they've collected, mm. like, a, a rusty switchblade and a bayonet and a, a pastry spoon... <clears throat> They and should then have take had a like a picture and post them on and Facebook. Then they take the picture. They should have had the uh, the Gollywog raid photo. <laughs> this one's lethal in local Off communities. The streets. <laughs> We're gonna build a giant Gollywog angel and parade it up and down the UK. This is Gollywog amnesty. You come, you bring your Gollywogs, you put them in the box. We all forget you ever had them. <laughs> no, we'll never forget. We'll never forget. <laughs> Um, for people wondering, uh, a, a giant angel made out of gollywogs is a reference to an actual UK <laughs> thing of a giant angel the, made the knife out of angel. discarded. I, yeah, the knife have angel. Have you seen the knife angel? Yes, I've seen the knife angel in yeah. person twice. Twice? Wow. Yes, twice. Where, it happened where did to be you in Chester. It? it was in Chester one time. And it, well, actually, I've seen it three times. It was in Chester, then it was in Liverpool, and then it was in Birmingham. Wherever I go, yeah. the knife angel is not far away. So I saw it in Liverpool, and I saw it in, I want to say, not it's not Stratford, I think Stafford, I think I mm. saw it in. Do you know what the funniest thing about knife, the knife crime in the UK is? Oh, we, yeah, we, yeah, yeah, we, 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 we went into day. this re- yeah. Yeah, the other day, yeah, that that's, there, there's this big stigma about how the UK is, is the, knife the stab, crime island. knife crime island, you come here, you get stabbed, yeah, yeah, oh, you, you better down, watch yourself, sunshine, you walk down the Thames, you get, you get your vib shanked in by some Dickensian boys who've just been cleaning in the chimneys, flat, flat, flat nose geezers, yeah, flat nose geezer. Uh, it turns out that actually the UK is uh, categorised in a very safe uh, grouping when it comes to uh, knife crime, and that we actually have less knife crime than the United States. Uh, far fewer, well, not far fewer, uh, a fair per capita, decent amount. Yeah. yeah, per capita, you're less likely to get stabbed in the UK than you are in the US. So we're going to call that place now. That is Knife Crime Continent. But they can have per that. capita, we have a lot more racist dolls somehow. Yes. Oh no! I am, well, like, I am not sure about that. You ask. They you, do you have more. They do have bunkers. lawn jockeys. I I do know about lawn jockeys, but I think there are more gollywogs than there are lawn jockeys. But I don't think we have the most per capita in the world. The Netherlands. Oh, I mean, like. Yeah, not to go too much into it, but the Gollywog is kind of like an import from like Dutch culture a little bit. Yes, but they have a specific time yeah. of year where they industrially oh, they... manufacture more racist dolls to okay. curse this earth. Okay, we need to we need to speed through racist yeah. dolls. Yes, we need to go for news yes. updates so that we can um, actually start our podcast about Homestuck. So... <laughs> So yeah, they get the their pub raided. Uh, all of the racist dolls get confiscated by the by the cops. Uh, they put out a message: "Send us your gollies." Uh, the woman uh, that is one of the co-owners of the pub. It's a married couple. You got the extremely racist like Britain first guy, and you got uh, the his wife who is uh, seemingly the face that they try to present as like the friendly face of this pub. Um, she immediately starts trying to say, oh, I don't know how they're racist. 
Uh, I, I grew up with these, you know. Uh, the, oh, old, the old guys. Oh, they're, they're, they're from the mines, you know. It's it, the, 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 the men came out the mines and they had the black faces and yep, yep. for some reason they had the red lips and the black hair. I don't know exactly how that happens in the mines, but it happens yep. in the mines, I think. And then, then she put up like a poster inside the pub next to the collection of new Gollywog dolls, which said that actually these are an imported uh, toy from Egypt during Britain's colonial conquest of Egypt. <laughs> As if like that makes it any better. And also, it's not true. It's, it's not true, no. No, it's not true. <laughs> like they are just like a recreation of like uh minstrel culture. Like yeah, like the worst stereotypes of African people you can get. Yeah. Yeah. Um and then, like, they get, like, stricken from the record by camera, the campaign for real ale. Right, who because were, uh, it, it turned out that camera had written a positive write-up of yes, the pub in one of camera, their previous guides and had somehow neglected to mention the massive wait, gollywog display wait, that's wait. in there. No, you, you've, you've misinterpreted it. Okay, so what camera said in their previous review of this pub is that it's a bit old fashioned. <laughs> ah. Uh, so they get stricken from the records by camera uh, after they get called the fuck out for this. Uh, but more camera... significantly, they also get stricken from the records by Heineken. Yes, Heineken steps in. Heineken um, and I believe like the the other major brewing supplier for like the pub chains in the area completely pull out both mm. their pump technicians and their their actual suppliers. Yeah, they get blacklisted fully, basically. And fair dues too. Um the like the part of the statement that they uh wrote out describes them as basically not wanting anything to do with uh hate culture and that beer is for everyone. Which is true. Beer is for everyone. Everyone should be allowed a beer. Um, <clears throat> but and, the- and as you'd expect from the UK, this this like three week long saga had was was covered in the press with all of the respect and dignity and <laughs> clear mindedness that that comes with cultural issues in general. Everyone immediately acknowledged: yes, you shouldn't have racist dolls. Yeah, uh, everyone is right. completely accepting and tolerant of it. No, actually, a bunch of reviews popped up on the uh, TripAdvisor of people trying to defend the pub to the hilt. That actually happened. I read and a bunch of cool, them. And there were call-ins on radio shows saying, uh, I, my house was for the Gollowogs when I was a child and it never yeah, messed my, me up. My grandma, uh, she she had a load of them. She had loads of them. And the, now the, I have 50. The, ja- the jam just didn't taste as nice once they took the gollywogs off the label. <laughs> yeah, that's like it was part of like a branding association. It, yeah, it was uh, Robertson's jam. Yes. Yeah. Um, and also Kia Aura, a, mm-hmm. a juice brand, also used them for a while. And and uh, then the owner uh, throughout the entire uh, later escapades of this of this section. What does he do? Where does he go? What's he do? Well, he as as any good Brexit fearing uh, Brits would do, he 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 went to his holiday home in Turkey and uh, threatened to become a Turkish national. 
mm-hmm. because of because woke woke culture <clears throat> in the UK was just too much. Yeah. So um so like old historic noble families had like uh words that were associated with them. <laughs> and uh like you you can think of this like uh if you've seen Game of Thrones, like winter is coming, uh hear us roar, that sort of stuff. Uh the UK has national words. Unbound, unbent, like, unbroken. No no. If you don't oh, like well. it, then leave. Those yeah, there's the door. Words. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's shit. It's meant to be shit. Yeah, that's that's what they first tried to claim in their pub. Uh, if you don't like these dolls, then you can go. You can go. There's the door. And now yeah. what we've seen... Yeah, there's the door. You can go for it. But now they don't own the door anymore. Such yeah, a they don't own the door. And the guy that ran the pub didn't like it, so we fucking left the whole country. <laughs> God. What an arc. What an arc. Yeah, that's been Racist Doll Watch. Hopefully there won't be any more Racist Dolls in the see news. You, see you back in our new new podcast, Racist Doll Watch. Next week. Ne- we yeah, ne- stories. Ne- next week we talk about Punch and Judy. Mm. You ever seen a Punch and Judy show live? Oh, of course I have. I like. I went to the seaside when I was a child. They had them oh, all okay. the time. Yeah, yeah, they're they're horrifying. I don't remember yeah. them being particularly racist though. But well, I don't remember there, them very there, well. There, there is an argument that Punch is a racist caricature of a particular, not well, not is a bigoted stereotype of a of a particular type of person. Of who? You're going to need uh, to give me more than that. A gypsy or oh, a okay. Romani or a traveller. Yeah, I can I can see that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, for context, for people in the UK, the reason he act uh, for people not from the UK, uh, the reason he had to like give multiple different variations of who they could be then is because like different segments of that community. Uh, well, it's not one community even. Yeah, they they, they, all they have, have different completely views. different origins. Yes. Yeah, they do. Um, yeah, yeah. They have different but, views on what is the appropriate way to refer to them. As, and, uh, some and of them in, embrace terms, some of them reject them, and there's no yeah. like clear agreement. But sadly, in the in the 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 minds of unfortunately a large section of the UK who are who are like quite bigoted towards these groups, they Jimmy are Carl. all identical. <clears throat> well, no, it's 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 it's, an, it's the most normalised form of yeah, prejudice yeah. in the UK by far. Yeah, local councils love to uh, chase the local travel community out of the legally granted um, living space that they've been given and stuff like that. Like, yeah, like it is mm. the most normalised thing. It is the most yeah. harped on by NIMBYs as well. Um, like yeah, everyone yeah. has like some story of some incredibly fucked up shit they had happen. At least where I came from, um, back in North Wales, hmm. the UK, not even once. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so we've been recording for forty-eight minutes. Welcome to a colossal waste of time. Yes, a podcast that was a cl- about Homestuck. <laughs> yeah, that was a colossal waste of time. But you got you got a proper update right there. So. We're not sure we're going to cover all of the pages mentioned in this episode. So if there is a break in this episode, it will be at page 938. However, otherwise, this podcast episode will be covering uh, 758 to 1153, is what we think. Possibly. So, Fraser, what do you think of these pages? This 
I I I was caught off guard by how much happens in Act Three. Like, but when I I put together the plan for what pages we'd be reading in what episodes quite a while ago at this point, and I kind of split them based on page counts for the most part because I thought, well. Act 3 is the same amount of pages, roughly, as we've talked about in the previous episode, so it makes sense to just get all of Act 3 done in a single sitting. I had not realised at the time just how much ground Act 3 has to cover in such a short period of time, and how frenetic the pacing ends up being. With and how the much constant, it... The constant switches between the characters... <laughs> And how much it fails at covering that ground. I feel like this was a really long stretch of pages. For some characters, absolutely nothing happened. Yeah, Even like, though we saw them hundreds of times. And like, right, my notes... If we, if, this, we split, if we split this act into talking to it, about it character by character, we could cover what happens to John and Dave in about ten minutes. Yes, like John and Dave do nothing here. Dave, well, they do something. They do a D- single thing, and it is progressed at like one page in every twenty, and it will cut to them for that one page, and then immediately cut, cut away. Yeah, uh, it's so annoying. Like I, I have a five thousand six hundred and sixteen words of notes. <laughs> Jesus. For this yeah, so, slice of content. So that, that's part of why this episode has been a long time coming, is that it's it's partly my fault in that I didn't realise just how much there would be to cover in terms of, like, raw events. Hmm. Like, the, the thing is, like, the events that happen don't even happen to characters that we have been introduced to before. Other than those, it introduces... Three introduces three characters. Some of them existed before, but they weren't properly introduced. Well, no, it it depends on what you define as the character because uh, we're in, we're introduced to Jade. We're introduced to uh, the Peregrine Mendicant. We're introduced yes. to the Aimless Renegade. We're yep. introduced to Grandpa Harley. We're introduced to Becker. Archangel Jack Noir. We're introduced to the Archangel. Yes, Archagents. We're introduced to Jack Noir. We're introduced to the Midnight Crew. We're introduced to the Felt. We're introduced to three of the trolls. We're also shown the names of the remaining nine trolls. (laughs) (sighs) We're introduced to Volcamutini, if you want to get really nebulous into who we're introduced to. By the way, uh, Midnight Crew, I don't actually remember the Midnight Crew in this. um, is yeah, that a name when, you're using to refer to a group that have not actually been introduced? Oh properly? no, no. Yeah. But uh, when it, it's it's when uh, Jade goes to read MS Paint Adventures, she the page that she opens is um, Act a thousand and forty one. Oh yes, uh, yeah, yeah. In, I remember being just about in like I don't actually understand what's going yeah, on here. Yes, in in that flash, we are introduced at least in concept, and we also learn the names of the Midnight Crew and their enemies, the Felt. Okay. So, yeah, a lot of things get thrown at us, and we are given absolutely no time to absorb 
any of it, especially if the moment that the thing happens, you cut away from that character to look at another character for one page, and then <laughs> cut to a third character for two pages, then back to the original character for one page, and then sometimes you'll have like an animated section that will cover every character at once. <laughs> I'm like, fucking hell, what am I... Like, there are so many times in my notes I have written, like, this is barely coherent, or this is complete nonsense. I can't follow what is going on here. I was so lost. The end of the last episode, you you were saying that you did not believe me when I said that um, that Jade might be introduced in this act. And not only was Jade introduced in this act, Jade, like, so much happens with Jade in this act. Yes, Jade is introduced, but I still feel like I barely know Jade because I feel like she's actually not there that much despite how much she moves this section of plot. Yeah, like she does, like in terms of actions, she does more than any of the other kids have done so far. Yes. Like she's out and about and all over the place and she's involved in so many like new concepts to the story. In, in her pages. Yeah, but I feel like it's just like a complete failure of writing in how it's managed to like mishandle actually introducing her and uh, a lot of the other things that happen here. Mm. Like, I feel like a lot of it is a bit impenetrable just because it's too frenetic. It yeah, could have been... Could- as not to say that Homestuck could have been longer and it might have improved it, <laughs> well, but no, this section could potentially have taken a bit of the, the time. T- the, 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 the page economy could have been a lot better, because if you think back to Act 1, so many pages were, in my view, and probably yours as well, wasted on that has not the fucking about. That has not changed. That is still here. But that is uh, still the- here. At least the fucking about here is forward motion. No, it's not. It's not so okay. much of it is not. At least the fucking about here is motion. <laughs> no, it's like jo- John was fucking about was in a completely in that, the, stagnant way. The page way. is animated. Oh no, no, like no, but you're the the you're moving from one character to another, and it, it it's all it's all like moving towards a like I. I believe that when when Andrew Hussey started Act 3, he was like, okay, by the end of Act 3, Rose is going to enter the game, and I am going to introduce these, the the idea of, like, what Skya is, and, um, and, like, who the, the people in the, um, the mayor's sphere of influence sort of are by the end of this act. And I just think that he ended up like just not knowing how to do how to do that with good economy of storytelling. You say that, but we had three different sections in this page count about like capture log bullshit. Yes, I am still counting that. <laughs> like there is e- a lot even of... even when they're they're making the point of making it less. Bullshit. Yes, like there's still going back to that stuff a lot. Like um, there are multiple sections where, like, the page we cut back to with John is him fighting ogres and nothing else <laughs> happening. Oh yeah, it no, it's like, a repeat of the page that we'd seen before. 
if we want to just do it right now and just say what John's arc over Act Three is, <laughs> yeah, let's do that. It, yeah, it, it's that he fights. He fights two ogres on his roof. He gets the the shit beaten out of him until Rose is finally able to log back in, help him, and then he jumps through a portal. That's what he does in Act 3. Oh, actually, no, I'm missing one very important Uh, thing that happens with John. He He gets a suit, and also he learns that he has crippling mental illness. Okay, I, I, what I've got written is I think Rose is gaslighting the fuck out of him there. <laughs> okay, okay, that's an interesting conversation we can have about John at the very least then. <laughs> like, I, I know that later on in the page count, there's a bit with Gnostic Jade, who we have not yet actually addressed as being introduced. We need to do that soon. Oh, well, yeah, we, uh, we've, we've we not, see- we've not... Yeah. yeah, yeah. where we see a tower that she walks into where there's a dream version of John and the same graffiti is on his wall there. Ah, but, no, but uh, I, we, uh, also, well, we also see a flashback to Rose's birthday in mm-hmm. um, December where the writing is also on John's wall. <clears throat> so it's not all happening on April 13th. I, I don't think I don't think John's mentally ill. I think he's being fucked with by someone okay. or something. Well There's we can, we can talk about happening. Right, yeah, we can we can go into more detail when we actually get to that part of the act. We may we may as well like now that we've given like an overview of of impressions of the act, we may as well just get right into it. Uh, no, like there's, there's one other person that does barely anything in this entire act, Dave. We may as oh, well yeah. get him out of the way. But but I that that is for the service of a joke. Like D- Dave, Dave does barely anything in this act as part of an ongoing joke where it's teasing you with the idea of of Dave possibly doing something and then immediately cutting away from him, ha- him having not achieved anything. Yeah, he, he spends the entire episode uh, fighting Bro on the roof. Just, just getting absolutely wrecked. Yeah, like, like he has a full fated battle with the brothers from Naruto uh, exchange of like just constantly teleporting around each other and getting completely belted by his old get, getting getting beaten up by a puppet mm-hmm. at first, and uh, then just. So I did actually look up that if this came out. Around the time that the Fair Battle of the Brothers had happened, because I was like, this, like, too much of this looks like just the stupid fucking Naruto, uh, the, the stupid fucking Sasuke versus Archie fight, which is not stupid, it's actually really cool. Uh, it's really good, actually. <laughs> okay. Um, okay, I believe It came you. out exactly the same time, uh, like two weeks um, before that strip, like before the page came out with the fight was started. Okay. Yeah. Well, t- the. Like it seems I, like possibly it's a very overt reference to the type of anime battle that is happening exactly oh, no. at that time. Well, no, it is absolutely yeah, a reference yeah, to that, to anime that fights. Very yes. specific battle, baby. Okay. Well, no, that that's that's actually interesting for me to learn because I I I know that there are Naruto in there are Naruto influences in at the very least Homestuck's music, like like a track like much later in Homestuck, like explicitly. Uh, uses samples from uh, a theme from Naruto. Does it is it the guys going Suya? It's I believe it's um the I believe it's the Leaf Village theme or something. Okay. Um, um the Leaf also, Village theme? There is I d- one. I, d- I don't know anything about it's a whistling theme from Naruto. 
Yeah, I know the theme you're talking about. It's okay. used interchangeably, like moments of yeah the spirit of the leaf, but it's not yeah. really the leaf theme. It's like right. uh, it's like when someone shows the will of fire, which yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, and, I, I watch Naruto, also, guys. Yeah. <laughs> and also, there is a point in the comic in which a character explicitly does like jutsus. Okay. Like from Naruto. Uh, but but also like Bro's character is also an explicit reference to uh, Kamiya from uh, Tengatop and Gurren Lagann, who is the older brother of the protagonist uh, uh, Simon. Yeah, they have like, the, he has he has the, the same glasses, glasses and everything. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So Big spiky it, glasses. It being like it, an explicit reference to an actual fight <laughs> in an actual anime, like it's it's new information to me, but it's not all that surprising. Yeah, like it's it's not important information. I was just like, were these happening at the same time? They were happening at the same time. Like even like the the fact that like the entire background is is red. That was like that's very Sharingan esque. That is. Um, so yeah, it's it's, yeah. it's it probably isn't true, but it's a, it's a an alarming coincidence that these two things are happening at the same time. Yeah. Uh, so I, I've just looked it up, and the track from Naruto that is used is called "The Raising Fighting Spirit." Yes, yeah, okay, yeah. That is that is like the the bit where the protagonist of that arc goes like, "And I'll never give up or surrender or whatever," <laughs> and then like they they win the fight. Like that's when Naruto does like a horb. He, he hits some of the Rasengan and wins. Anyway. Anyway, welcome to uh, a colossal waste of time, a, a podcast about Naruto. Yeah, uh, today so, we're going to be covering episodes one to five of Shippuden. <laughs> oh, that's Sakura. Yeah, I'm happy she's back, aren't you? If the listener can't tell, I have never internalized anything from Naruto. I have seen parts of Naruto, but I did not care to. To, to like remember any of it i like rock lee i think rock lee looks cool <laughs> and i think the concept of rock lee is cool that's it oh man i need to show you the video about rock lee like there's someone wrote a critical think piece about rock lee where the core thesis of the piece is that they think rock lee has autism that is the piece and then oh, God. yeah they're like, so, they're, there, there. As as of the time of recording, there is so much autism discourse in in media. It's it, like like just diagnosing any character that you care yes. about with autism just because of the their vibes. Yeah, but the main tool for diagnosing Vakli uh, with autism that they use in this video is the shape of his eyes. Of oh, Jesus Christ. They're like, his eyes do not easily show emotion and stuff like that. And I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. Anyway, anyway, this is a Homestuck podcast. This is a Homestuck podcast. So, so yeah, we um, open Act 3 with a message written to John by Nana. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Colonel Sasaka, uh, daunting text of magical frivolity and practical japery. Um, so you, you were you were saying that you wanted to see some some of this book. So your wish has been granted, at least in in the title in the title page of the book. Yeah, I want to see actual content of the book, not stuff someone has written in it post facto. 
Well, like, you, you do get to see uh, Colonel Saska performing uh, 52 card pickup. Yeah, true, true. Um, but Nan describes uh, being able to lift a heavy book as a sign of adulthood and maturity. Uh, it's signed and notated by her, and she describes it as a family heirloom. So she she has like uh, some sort of full knowledge. This book must go on a journey with her, well, with with John and uh, John's dad. How does she know that? God knows. There are a lot of ominous and foreboding underlined words in this in this yes. message. Uh, but she also. <laughs> does note out like four titles which are the heir of breath heir is in like uh the, the the person who will inherit uh so the inheritor of breath the heir of breath in that sense the seer of light the knight of time and the witch of space conveniently that's four different people weird yes and she she also mentions Agents, exiles, consorts, and colonel sprites. We already know about colonel sprites, and mm-hmm. uh, and also underlings and denizens. We, so those are a load of terms that that are also apparently important. We already know about colonel sprites, and we kind of, from context clues, can also figure out who agents and exiles are. Yeah, I, um, I, I, assume, I assume you did at the very least. I, I'm going to guess, like, I wasn't quite sure at this point who agents necessarily were, but exiles could be like uh, the. Well, we we have already we... mentioned uh, a character called yeah, Jack the, Noir, the Arch yeah. At this at, this, at the so... point that disappears in the plot, though, I was I did not make the connection of agent right. because Jack does not appear for another two. Jack has pages. not yet appeared. Yeah, yeah, but the exiles presumably they would be like our mayor, for example, who. Hmm. The Carapace people, um, the the people who are just sort of drifting about, because they all have names like uh, like the they all, uh, the they all have the name. same name. Is 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 the thing that that their names are all synonyms? Because you've got uh, wayward vagabonds, then you yep. have peregrine medicants. Peregrine being a a bird that flies like freely, that wanders, in rather than staying in a specific place, and a mendicant being a vagrant of some sort, a beggar. Mm-hmm. And then and you then have, we have the new one, which is like uh, aimless, aimless renegade. Yeah. So, yeah. so someone without purpose, someone without direction, and someone who exists outside the law. So, all of these are like the same concept. Yeah, I wouldn't have put it to, like I wasn't thinking of them as actually just being the same way of say well a way of saying the same thing over and over again. But I think that might be down to the fact that I have been playing a lot of CK3 lately that automatically <laughs> generates for characters a lot of titles that are actually just saying the same thing. So I just ignored it. Yeah, well, I'm I, I and it's not to say that they all mean exactly the same thing. Yeah, but yeah, I know they, you, they're... they loosely refer to a similar set of ideas and concepts. Mm. Yeah. Like uh, now you mention it, it makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, they they are clearly are exiles in this case. Um, that's the most apparent thing. Consorts, though, consorts. So yeah, consorts, underlings, and denizens are concepts that not even without in Act Three we really uh, figure out anything about. Mm-hmm. Um, but from here we cut. Immediately over to Garden Gnostic, sleeping on the floor. 
Yeah, yeah introduced name, immediately. Yeah. Like, yep. We, you, you, you thought no you, you thought we'd stretch out this reveal, but nope, here she is. <laughs> we did stretch it out. We talked for we talked the entire <laughs> arc out of Dave and John. We stretched it out so much. We are one and a half. No, we're like one hour eight minutes. Actually, I can't read. Um, but yeah, uh, we are introduced to Garden Gnostic, the physical presence, and she's sleeping. Why is she sleeping, Fraser? Well, apparently she has uh, narcolepsy. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this seems to be a thing that she does quite a lot. Uh, a lot of her character uh, over the course of this act will be shown as her sleeping. That is, that is a lot of, like, you could describe a lot of what mm. she does in this act as... And then Garden Gnostic, who, as we'll learn now, is called Jade Harlow? Harley. Harley. Yeah, Harley. And thank God we can stop calling her Garden Gnostic and tripping over those those words. It's like, it it would, like, I don't, I don't know, I don't know what, I, well, I guess I can see why they, they kind of stretched out the reveal of her name because they wanted to make her seem more exper- like mysterious than she actually is and more like, I don't know, maybe sinister? Like, because, because you, you, I don't know. So don't- y- you say, like, you're happy, like, they, they finally introduced her name so you can stop tripping over. I am annoyed that he introduced her name because I kept typing her name as Rose in my notes. <laughs> I don't know why. I don't know how. They couldn't be less similar. Yeah, I know. They're... I know. I was like, why am I doing this? What is going on with my brain? Uh, but I've I've just generally had like, um, I've been ill for a number of weeks. Mm. Um, I've got like that weird COVID-like brain fog going on, but I don't know if it's COVID. So it may have just been that. Um, but yeah, I, I just kept accidentally typing, even though I was thinking like this is jade my hands would type those it's really annoying so annoying it would happen the other way around too what you you refer to rose as jade yeah yeah oh. yeah like it's it's like this weird association that my mind had built up but if i thought of it as garden gnostic my mind would immediately type gg it, it would oh, not get well. that wrong and now that all four um, characters have been introduced in, as as such, I think it's time that I ask you, have you noticed anything with regards to their screen names? Uh, they're all lowercase then followed by an uppercase word. Uh, that, that's, but that's everyone's. That's true. Yeah, that's, that's true, everyone's. yes. Have you noticed anything else? Um... There's all some sort of mention of like some outer worldly being, knowledge or thing. There's all like an association of the mystical or theological with them. Turns like Godhead, yes. Ecto, uh, Ecto. Uh, so uh, yes, ghost. you've got Ecto, you've got yeah. Tentacle, you've got Godhead, former. and you've yeah. got Gnostic. And you've yeah. got John's, that's why I asked, was what was John's John's former name? Uh, it was something like uh, Ghost something. Ghost, ghostly Trickster. Yeah, Trickster. There you go. Yeah. So you've got GT, you've got TT, you've got TG, and you've got GG. Mm-hmm. Very annoying Do you see a pattern? set of... Uh, yeah, I've like, yeah, there's a pattern. Yeah. <laughs> you don't need to mention that there's a pattern there. It's like... Uh, a set of characters that are slowly becoming like each other, then one changes onto a next. Yeah, this. Yeah, 
Yeah. I'm 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 trying to lead you to to uh, to a revelation, as it were, but I don't think you're quite there yet. Maybe no. maybe we'll there's we'll clearly come back. A, we'll come back to this. There's a pattern because we're also introduced to some more screen names in well, in in this. Well, John changes his username to EB. Yes, he away does. from like the thing that is more like a away pattern. from the pattern. Yes. Mm. Like you've got an obvious pattern of uh, GT, GG, TT, uh, TG, and I would mm-hmm. assume that's like possibly their romantic interest pairing. But no, it doesn't seem like it because the thing I've got written down is that the relationship between Dave and GG is weird. Well, Jade uh, between Dave and Jade is weirdly flirty. Okay, so so we were introduced to three more chat handles in yeah. this series of of um, pages. What were they? Uh oh god! I'm gonna have to scroll through one uh, through five thousand words. I re- I remember, so I will refresh your memory. They are carcinogeneticist, mm-hmm. grim auxilitrist, mm-hmm. and adios toriador, which mm-hmm. are CG, GA, and AT. Now do you see it? No. Okay, then we'll leave it at that. Listener, right, do me, you see the pattern? If you do, me, write it on the stamped address envelope. <laughs> all right, we got TT, GG, GG, GT. Oh, it's TG. What was the fourth one? Why can't I remember? Yeah, GT. What were the other three? CG, GA, AT. Uh, Gattaca. Gattaca. You got it. Yeah, okay. You got there it. you go. They're base uh, pairs. Yeah. Uh, All yes. chat names in, in Home Circle, apart from John's current chat name, are yeah, he, base he pairs. Has, he has changed away from that. Uh, I would not have thought of Gattaca at first, just because I have no background in ever yeah. thinking of Gattaca in my life. <laughs> But, well, you know what Gattaca refers to. Yes, yeah, it's like yes. genetic string yeah. information, yeah. But then, like, I thought also, like, yeah. ectobiologist, what, what is, is there a possible clue in there that I can use, even though it's probably not relevant at all, or at least not intended? Well, it, it, it made me think immediately the, biology. They, they, they do, like, they do, it is kind of a box is drawn around the fact that John has changed his screen name at some point mm-hmm. that he once was like a part of like like he fell into this pattern but now is no longer part of it mm-hmm. and i don't know i just think it's neat he's fallen out of the dna of the universe Ooh. But yes, you you did also pick up on the other pattern, which is all four of the kids have have some sort of supernatural aspect yeah. to their screen names. Yeah, uh, there's also like what I mentioned a moment ago, which probably isn't relevant, but I'm, I've been keeping an eye on uh, since this act anyway, which is like uh, there's an obvious relationship in some of the names. Uh, the two guys... Uh, Dave and John both had uh, GT and TG, um, and then the girls had. Like they had the VPs, TT yeah. and GG. Yes. Yeah, uh, but I don't know anything about Gattaca, so I don't know if that's relevant. Would that it, be relevant? It, it, let's just put a pin in it. Yeah, it, like yeah. 
I'd just be like, is gender information coded in duplicates like that? Uh, I don't, I don't know. In actual DNA, I don't, I don't know. I don't know anything about this shit because so, that's so, not my background. Yeah, yeah, I, I am a biologist by trade, so, mm. so it, it's, it's well, I'm, I'm not, I'm not a geneticist, but I, I've, I've done, I've done introductory biology as part of my, my path through the sciences, so. Yeah, I am a uh, I am a economist by trade, which is now why I'm working in the field of data analytics and futurist AI knowledge. Oh, it's, it's it must be so heartening to be in that field. Yeah, yeah, especially considering who I am. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, Jade, yeah. so as I said, Jade is pretty much as much a opposite to Rose in terms of personality as you can possibly get. Yeah, and in fact, even in terms of like how how she acts, like he cut me off uh when I was like sort of introducing like what what uh Jade does in this episode. Uh, which is that she spends almost the entire episode actually sl- uh, the entire act uh, sleeping all, like a lot of her actions actually take place while she's just taking a nap whereas Rose is like constantly running about from place to place uh, she's probably been the person we've seen the most physical movement from other than Dave who was obviously in a fight mm. um, so like yeah the, like lethargy is is how I might describe uh, Jade. Even well, though she d- does, she moves she, about places. A she lot, has but- plenty of energy when she's awake. She is is not as if she is a lethargic person in terms of her her day to day activity. It's just that she she is prone to sleeping a lot, and that is a fundamental aspect of her character. Um, I I mean, like, even when she is, like, her weapon is the one that means that she does not have to move to fire. Um, like, the things, like, a lot of the things she does involve not moving. Uh, she has a robot that does motion for her <laughs> in some aspects. Yes. Her home has a teleporters because she's too lazy to climb the stairs. Well, no, no. She's not too lazy. The person who built the house was too lazy. Uh, the person who built the house is in law a billionaire. Uh, her, <laughs> so yeah, um, but the fact that she is using uh, like all these shortcuts around actually doing things is yeah, you know, she 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 doesn't move a lot of her own accord. Okay, no. Uh, I, I guess that's actually like a fair way of seeing it. I, I yeah no that bring bringing in the te- the teleporters and and the fact that she uses a weapon that that requires her to stand still like that that's actually all mm. all fairly good like evidence towards a point. Yeah, she also like puts bands on her hands as a way of reminding her of things, which indicates to me that like even. Even the way she thinks is so slow and vacant <laughs> that she is liable to forget important things in her life. Well, v- vacant, vacant sounds a, a little unfair. A little, a little. I, I mean, she is likely to get caught up. Uh, her mind is likely Absol- to get yeah, caught no, up. Yeah, like I, I've else. never liked the term absent-minded because often people like 
it, it gives the impression of someone not thinking, whereas often abs- people who are quote-unquote absent-minded are actually just thinking too much but in the wrong direction. Or they're just thinking of something else, something that's not relevant yeah. to whatever the main topic on hand yeah. is. Because, um, I, but we 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 find out that 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 Jade essentially lives a double life, like literally lives a double life, and that that has to be hard to mentally compartmentalize, and mm-hmm. that's p- part of why she has issues with her memory is that she has two sets of memories coexisting in one head. Um, there's also another thing that I would know in here, but I can't remember where I wrote it. It was like her list of hobbies, like, oh, flowers, uh, again, like gardening, um, horticulture. That's, that's not Mm. an active interest. That is a very passive interest of you sit and wait for this thing to happen to itself. (laughs) Uh, physics and gadgets. Again, it's not like very active stuff. Like no. she, she, she does have a lot of like immobility <laughs> to how she does, to how she lives her life. And to be fair, it doesn't seem like she has a lot of space to be mobile. And she lives on an island in the middle of she, nowhere. She lives on the islands that we saw in the previous animation where the the meteor crashed. Yeah, she lives in what looks like a battle royale game island. <laughs> Fifty John Egbert drop in one leaves. <laughs> John Egberg wipes out Tomato Town. Yeah, in fact, at one point they even drop a care package on the island. A, p- a care package drops out of a thing flying over the island. It is a battle royale game. That's what it is. John Egbert's battlegrounds. <laughs> he is the player unknown. Uh, but yeah, this is only possible because uh, of... Jade's uh, family member are relevant to this plot. There are actually a couple of family members mentioned for Jade, uh, but there's one that's directly relevant to this instance of discussion, which is her ultra-rich grandpa, Grandpa Harley. Grandpa uh, Harley, yeah. A, a explorer and entrepreneur, we're told. Yeah, and scientist. And scientist, yes, like... Uh, it looks like he's kind of like an a Tony Stark figure in terms of like having like nuclear like pocket sized nuclear reactors and man sized robots at, yeah. at, at disposal and the like. Yeah, he seems to be like uh, the eccentric billionaire character. Uh, also, he seems to be dead. Is he dead? He, yes, he, he he he's 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 taxidermied. Yeah, he's he, he's a taxidermy puppet. Yeah, well, he's not a puppet. Yeah, yeah, not puppet. Yeah, the puppet has actual meaning in this anyway. Like there is a person whose interest is puppets, so I shouldn't yeah. say puppet. He he um, is yeah. literally taxidermied. He 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 is a stuffed corpse that sits on the pedestal in the, the lounge of Jade's house, which mm-hmm. is a a large, uh, like quite mo- modernist. I would say, sort of building built on no, the side. I would, on the- I, I would describe uh, Rose's house as as modernist. I would actually oh, okay, describe yeah, yeah, yeah. like there, there are pillars and such inside of uh, Jade's house, like like uh, harking well, back I, to like classical. I would say, 
I would say the atrium where she grows her plants and the area where her bedroom is is modernist. And then, yeah, as you go further down into the the areas where Grandpa kept his trophies, yeah, that, like it starts it to get more classical. archaic. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, that's that's two characters that we see with what seems like incredible wealth, <laughs> like those. And yeah, wrote, wrote, wrote Rose's mother and 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 uh, Jade's grandfather. Yeah, both seem to be wealthy. Although I wouldn't, I would, I wouldn't peg uh, Rose's mother as a billionaire based on. Well, I don't know. She seems to having, own, having oh, a huge oh. uh, having a huge underground lab complex full of like, like independent power supplies and, and yeah, she like, has a bat and, cave. She does have a bat cave, yes. Yeah, like so, she she so, clearly has enough money for that. Yeah, so yeah, so, so something something's happening there. But yes, like she also looks like she has like one of the like I mentioned the thing that looks like a hydroelectric electric plant. It's either that or it's a incredibly expensive and unnecessary water feature, like an infinity pool. Yes, yeah, like uh, yeah, Dubai the world's Hotel. most most ostentatious infinity pool, yeah. Yeah, like she's got some really Amavati architecture over here. <laughs> so she's clearly quite wealthy. She's got oil money <laughs> backing her. Um, but yeah, uh, th- there's obviously like a uh, thing. Like we, we see like average Joe wives with the boys and then like incredible wealth with the girls. And I'm not quite mm. sure if it's building to something with that. Yeah, like, yeah, that yeah like, well, John John has like the the typical American suburban lifestyle. Whereas mm. I wouldn't say Dave looks like <clears throat> he's particularly like, like in poverty or anything like that. But it, does, like, it doesn't seem like their living situation is as... Um, like they live, they they live in a high rise, a small high rise apartment. Mm-hmm. Like it just looks like it could be a flat. Yeah, like no, nothing, nothing super impressive. Uh, but it's a life, and he doesn't uh, have food. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, like Rose is living out in like the forested mountains. What kind of mountainous around her? So, then- so yeah, we we so we see. Uh, a map of where all of the kids' homes are in in this set of pages, and I want no, to say, no, we don't. We do not yeah, see where we, Jade's house actually yeah, is. Yeah, we do. We see it's in the middle of the Pacific. It's never made clear that that is Jade's house. I assumed that that would be Jade's uh, house. Co- context, context clues. It doesn't say it. <laughs> it could have been anywhere. It could have been like, any island. Yeah, like no, it really could have. It could have been yeah. in the fucking Caribbean for all we know. It could have been, but yeah, uh, it's it's decently safe to assume that yeah, that is where it's it's, house it's is. in New England somewhere. It's in like New Hampshire or yeah, or... like that's where the vests are. Jade isn't there. She's she's out in the Pacific. Yeah, no, yeah, no. Well, the the, re- she... the rest are all on the mainland United States. Yeah, the northeast. The, uh, yeah, yeah. John John is in Washington. It looks like uh, Rose is in uh, New England, and Dave is in Texas. Um. So in my notes, like I just got written down for the Pacific location that it looks like it could be like Fiji or Samoa. Yeah, yeah. I I think it's roughly meant to be Fiji. Yeah, uh, but I've also got it noted down like it would be quite nice to have a meteor hit Pitcairn Island. <laughs> just 
Just we, generally, we, not in law. We, do, we don't want the webcomic about the child on Pitcairn Island. <laughs> oh, no, that would be really fucking grim. Maybe that's what Grandpa Harley did. He 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 kicked everyone off of Pitcairn Island and was like, yeah. you're not doing that anymore. <laughs> Uh, for viewers that uh, don't know what Pitcairn oh, wait, wait, no, is, wait, wait, don't go- Google, Google it. it. <laughs> don't Google it. Do do not do that. You no, don't. Um, so you you said you said there are, there were allusions to other family members for Jade's. Uh, yeah, sisters. Uh, she mentions that she oh, has sisters. Do, do, she, she mentions the blue sisters, and then we get we we see we see what that what that means. She as she's going down the floor, she gets to the room full of portraits of blue women, and says that Grandpa always insisted that she think of them as sisters. I might have missed that. Yeah. Okay. Uh, like I might have missed making that connection in my head. I assume that it meant that she was actually referring to sisters she, that she had. I'm 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 going to say now she does not have like sisters knocking okay. around. It it, it is a ref it is a reference to Grandpa's creepy collection of sun bleached uh, beauty model photos that he keeps in a dedicated room. Okay, okay. Uh, I'm I'm okay with being wrong about that. Uh, but over the course of this, like the symbol on Jade's shirt keeps changing as she's like going around in this super expensive house. Yeah, because it turns out she has like Ghost in the Shell style like digital wardrobe technology, where she yeah. can just have any any design on her T-shirt chosen by the wardrobe fire. Mm-hmm. And like she can she can teleport up and down her house by the appear of fire or whatever. I don't like Jade. What is it you don't like about Jade? Everything is you like... Did, you, you didn't like Rose either, so is it, I, I is it that you just like... have a problem with women? <laughs> right, guys, guys, look, I'm just saying that the fucking... Take it over webcomics. Nah, I, I know you like Rose's mum, so it's not it's not all women. <laughs> <laughs> you make Hashtag. it out that Carl was for the MILFs over here. <laughs> Um, yeah, I've actually, like, I kind of liked those in this act. Um, I thought you might, because, because you, 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 you get to, you get to see a bit more of Rose's actual personality there's, in this, rather than the airs that she puts on. Yeah, there's a bit of Rose that I fucking hated in this <laughs> act, and then there's, like, bits of it that I liked. But, uh, Jade, so far, like, it might be the structure of this act that makes me dislike Jade so much. Um, but like, it just keeps putting like stupid tech bullshit, uh, solutions to things. Um, like it, it just felt like there, there was there anything. Is, there, there is a weird, there is a weird sort of dichotomy with, with how Jade's life is presented in my mind here, where she, she has all of the mod cons that you could ever want, like, like everything in the house is so convenient and then like you're going she's going down a house and then you get to the the uh the bottom floor and you get to her going into the room with grandpa in it and you find out that her grandpa is dead and seems to have been long dead and it seems like she is the only person living on this deserted island in the middle of nowhere 
her only company being the corpse of her grandfather and her dog. Yeah, and it seems like it might be true that nobody even knows that he's dead. Yeah, and if you think about it for a little while, he is taxidermied, and she is the only other person on this <laughs> island. Yeah. Which, which, the logical conclusion of which is that she had to taxidermy her own grandfather. Not, well, not even had to. She voluntarily taxidermied her yeah, own grandfather. He, he, there's no having to with taxidermy. It's a, it's a choice. It's, it's an make. evolved process. Yeah. So, um, but uh, th- th- my issue with her isn't anything to do with that. It's just like her role in the story over the course of this act is that she uh, she does seem a little Mary Sueish, doesn't yeah, she? Yeah, like uh, she is a pure solution machine. Um, like I, I generally don't like um, prophecy that is like prophecy or like uh, the ability prognostication to yeah, that sort of yeah. thing. Yeah, I know hey, what hey, you're doing. Hey, Carl, what, what word appears on page 789 okay, so in, what you said in was the context? What, not prognostication. Like, no, I, the, I take no prog- the word... The, the, the word. No, on the page is, is prognostic. It's prognosticate or something like that. Yeah. But the word that we argued about was prognosis, which I, I always read in the very technical I, dry I said term. Prog- I said prognostic. I said prognostic ability. Okay, whatever. Okay, let's... <laughs> I've had enough people uh, uh, contact me telling me that I was right about this. We don't need to rub it in. Yeah. <laughs> I still... I, I, feel re- I mean, feel free to email I in mean, again and, and point out that I, uh, I was using prognostic in the correct sense. <laughs> nobody contacted me. Uh, they, they chose not to. They chose not to poke <laughs> the bear. Uh, so for me, prog- like... I have issue with the word prognosis even being used in this context, just because prognosis usually requires some sort of actual basis of knowledge or evidence on which a prediction can be made. And I don't like the the prophetic version of it. I I would choose a different word if you're going for sheer prophecy. Hmm. Well, we we can talk more about that once the mechanics of how she has her ability come into play. Like it, to me right now, it just seems like it's mystical ability to know things, which I would not like. Even though there, there's a possible uh, like linkage, like there is a linkage between the words that you can make that is like, yes, you can also say this prophetic. But the common usage of prognosis is usually linked to evidence, uh, data, or something that gives you a basis to make a prognostic claim prediction mm. of some sorts based on pre-existing data like that's that's my position basically that's why i was so conflicted about it last time it's why i'm still conflicted about it now okay um, at, le- at least we're off the grist at least at least we've not <laughs> we've not complained about about grist for the, the yeah, past two episodes grist for the mill um so like her ability to do this and the way it is used in the plot is very, very irritating. Just like she is solving the problem before the reader is aware there is a problem, seemingly to serve yep. a point of setting up another problem for her to immediately solve. It's just a very annoying character trait. So over the course of this act, like she sent like she tells people that like what is going to happen. Like she tells people that 
John, you're not going to receive your gift in time. It's going to go down into the abyss. In fact, she tells that to Rose, and Rose is like, how do you know this? Why is it relevant? She's like, it will be relevant. She says, like, oh, Dave will turn up in the nick of time. Mm. Um, she sends a parcel back in time. Oh, boy. Like, yeah, the the shenanigans with the, the parcel, that is... That is a lot. There, yeah. there is a lot going on there in terms of the level of like specific, the, the specific, 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 I, you know the it's, word. It's I'm pronounced prognosticate. <laughs> the prognostic ability <laughs> and the the accuracy of that <laughs> that you would require to know like the exact place in which to put an object at the exact correct time for it to be teleported into the future and then to have messages ready for all of the points of contact within the future yeah it's like it's a lot and i absolutely get like your you like it's, having friction against that because it it's not it, the believability element of it oh no it is it, the it, removal of the sense of consequence in the mm, plot absolutely um, yeah, like, Rose... Uh, sorry, not see, I'm even doing it now. Yeah. Yeah, Jade <laughs> is, like, telling these people where is the safe place to be, which implies, like, already there's time travel, so you know, like, there's a certain degree of fatalism that's taken place here, although they may later fuck with that. But, but she's yeah, directly we, we have, telling we have the con- people... Mm. Yeah, she's directly telling people where to go, when to do, uh, which says to me that there's a, an unbending time that is that is here. Like there's there are ways to handle prophecy well. This is not it. This is not it. Yeah, ha- having having a character that seemingly has all of the answers to the point where like it, it's a problem. It's a problem that comes up in fiction a lot. So like how if 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 someone if someone has a set of abilities in which they can effectively know anything, how do you tell an interesting story around that? And the- your your I would say your your reaction to Jay's character and how how events are transpiring are perfectly natural because yeah devoid devoid of all like exterior context regarding the rest of the story, it is all exceedingly convenient. Like mm-hmm. the, the you cannot get more convenient than the set of circumstances surrounding the delivery of the package into the future. It's it's bordering on on parody almost. Yeah, it's it's it asinine. Isn't. Yeah, it's it's a, mm. it's it's like what what is going on here? Why? Though, like, I don't remember if it was in the uh, aborted uh, first try episode of the first episode that we did it in, or if I brought it up in the second one. But the best example of prophecy I can mention is again to go back to Gurm, uh, George R. R. Martin. Like he handles prophecy. Very well, well, in his he, writing, he he, I, he has a very clear philosophy around prophecy that that he has made clear outside of his writing, which is that men make prophecy. Pro- like prophecy is created in the moment of the interpretation of a prophecy. Yeah, but even even outside of his external uh, narrative. Like in inside the story that he is writing, his solution to prophecy, uh, when people bring it up, is for it to be an interpretive work. It is Absolutely, an actual, yes. Yeah, it's a yeah, hermeneutic. Like it's the, a, it's a hermeneutic the, the, practice. 
the the prophecy of the prince that was promised is a prophecy that people chase. And in the process of chasing it, they act towards creating a set of circumstances that could potentially be seen to be fulfilling it. That's why there are so many apparent candidates for Azor Ahai knocking around. It's because the conditions to create Azor Ahai are so known within the society of the text that it's very easy to construct a way to justify that yeah and the conditions around it are also incredibly loose they're loop that there are they are in in such a way where you can interpret for example being born amongst smoke and salt in so many distinct ways uh, and the that- show does the best bit of mocking this where then we says is he a ham like that is the best like <laughs> shoot down of like the way the prophecy works is like fully interpretive of being able to think about it and apply ideas. In fact, I saw the stupidest possible theory the other day for Azor Ahai, which is that Davos Seaworth is Lightbringer, oh, the yes, sword. Yeah. Yes, I've I've seen that. Yes, like, there is so much depth of like stupidity and interpretation involved with the prophecy there, but importantly, all the characters in the world know that like it's a thing of it's an interpretation of prophecy. It can be wrong. the The main prophetic character who who foretells these events, Melisandre, uh, she openly admits, "I am wrong about things." Well, and she could still be wrong, is the thing. Like, we see her own internal conflict of, like, oh, maybe I've been chasing, like, this, this, like, ghost in, in following, uh, Stannis in believing that he was a Zorhai. But now that I've seen John, now I'm sure that he is a Zorhai. And it's like, yeah, but John, John could could also not be so high. Yeah. You could just be again seeing what you want to see in someone. Mm, I would creating, say that the, creating the, again your own conditions for prophecy that are are convenient for you. What I'll quickly throw in here is that one thing you did mention about uh, before we go back to Homestuck Gurm's um, discussion of like men make prophecies. I'd say the character Makaro uh, sort of damages that statement just because so Makaro's predictions are bulletproof. Maca- they are so we, good. We, but we don't know what his deal is, is the yeah, thing. Yeah, like, he's not we, 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 need, we need that sixth book, is the thing. Yeah, we, yeah. We need, because also Ke- uh, Quaife, Quaife's uh, prophecy to Danny of the... Of the Mummer's Dragon and such. The Mummer's Dragon and all that. Like, that can be explained by just being in tune enough with world events to know that people fitting those descriptions are going to be on their way, but there's still, like, there's still, like, details involved in, yeah, particularly Makoro's, uh, prophecies that's, like, are, there is specificity, I got it right that time, uh, to his prophecies that are unusual within the setting. Mm. Um, anyway, uh, so the reason so, I brought all this up is because it's because Homestuck is not currently doing that. Homestuck is creating a a a sense of prophecy that is counter to that philosophy. In that, yeah, yeah, like uh, what what Jade has is like a, a seemingly perfect knowledge of an entirely deterministic universe, mm. <laughs> where she knows exactly how events will play out, and it. These are just all too convenient to the point yeah. where I was like, 
I'm just not interested in reading what you're going to do because is, I know it's not going to be threatened. <laughs> yeah, that's that, and that's a that's a that's a problem with determinism is the thing, and it's it's a major. It, not yeah, not to give too much away, but determinism is a major theme of you the can, entirety of Homestuck. It's, you can do things with determinism. You can, oh, and, and yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Like I hope like, it do, does. Do, do do not believe that what is being done with Jade here is like what like that. Do not believe that it's being played entirely straight. Like there there is there is method to what is being done here in making. A point, a greater point that is going to be followed through the entire narrative of the story, with mm. with regards to how how one obtains and uses knowledge if if events are set in stone. Because we know we know to some extent that the universe of Homestuck is partially determin- at least partially deterministic, because we've seen the consequences of um, trying to create a paradox with the with the appearifying, like when, mm-hmm. when, um, there is one timeline, it cannot when, be changed. Yeah. When, when, when the mayor tries to remove a pumpkin from the timeline that had already been established, it created a paradox imprint of the pumpkin. And when Rose tried to appear Jasper's, when Jasper's couldn't have been removed from the timeline, it created a paradox version of Jasper's. Like mm-hmm. there, there is a set of events that has happened that cannot be they can't be altered in, yeah altered like, but but again that we know that to be true of our universe that there is a set past like so what is what exactly is happening here that is different than how we perceive the universe because in both cases we've seen characters try to influence a known past rather than actually predicting the events of a future which yeah, is and- which is a, uh, like we we have to we have to think about how how time is actually working. In, I would in say that is itself like introducing elements of, of paradox. There has to be so, there has to be a root origin point of someone trying to fuck with things in the past for people to be influencing things. Absolutely, in the past. Absolutely, so there's like a a wormy in its own tail situation here. Where does it start of people fucking with the past? Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. Um, so, like, yeah. Either way, uh, just uh, just in the way Jade is presented, that's the only thing I have an issue with regarding uh, mm. her presence. Is just like yeah. it's it's like you got a problem, gone. It's just it's just, it's just that it's just yeah. irritating. But um, but the way the way the way characters work is that they have to be introduced into a story in a position from which they can grow from. Like mm. they they are ne- they. If if you're telling a story and you introduce a character and the character is exactly the way they were at the start all the way through to the ending, you've told a bad story. You've introduced a character that had no reason to ever be there. Anyway, we should actually <laughs> talk about... Well, we've, co- we've covered a lot, just not in chronological order. Yeah, yeah, we've talked about Which is part of the issue... Part this of the is, issue with this act is that we've yeah. covered events throughout Jade's story through which a lot of interstitial stuff revolving John and Dave and Rose have also been peppered in. Yeah, but I, I do like that the way we've done this has absolutely spited all of the people that are not reading along. 
They are not going to know what the fuck we are talking to. I, I, I don't think they care. I know, I, I, I know Dave doesn't <laughs> They're just here care. for the racist shout dolls. Out, shout out to Dave. Yeah, shout out Dave. You're here just for the racist dolls. <laughs> so um, so back back to Jade. Jade yeah, is yeah. also definitely not a furry. Yeah, there's, that's a weird thing that keeps coming up. Uh, for like the next like hundred or so pages, every now and then they'll drop a joke about furries, and it's like this could not get more two thousand and nine. It it is extremely two thousand nine, but like there is there is a a kernel of truth in in what the joke is trying to get at. In that it is trying to draw a line between what makes someone a furry, as we understand the term fairy to be and what makes someone like close but not quite because like jade herself says that she's interested in the idea of actually being an animal but doesn't want to like cosplay being an animal that's that's the line that she draws for herself which i think like is valid in a sense i don't know enough about the furry mindset to <sighs> walk into their their fur-lined boots but um, I imagine a fair few of them also have mm. a significant and real interest yeah. in being an actual animal, and this is just the closest they can get. Possibly, but like, like J- Jade's Jade's own like conceptualization of it is that if I put on a animal costume, all I would be is a silly girl in an animal costume, not an animal. Like that is not enough. Yeah, yeah, I can get like that, but I, I just don't think it's the the deeper defining difference that you mentioned. Just because I imagine that is the position mm. of many actual furvies. That possibly, that yeah, they are just doing the closest possible thing they can do. They're dissatisfied with it, but they're not getting in the fursuit to get their yeah. box off, even though they may do that in the first Oh, yeah, yeah there, there, there are all sorts of motivations. If you <laughs> happen to be a furry, please email in. <laughs> yeah, T-H-E-A-P-U-K at gmail.com. Please tell me all your furry stories. Thank you. Um, anyway. And one, one more thing I want to cover from Jade's, like the other parts of Jade's introduction is I really like the instrument fake-outs. Like have it, having oh, yeah. established she, she has that, like a shitty flute, yeah, yeah. <laughs> having having established all all of the uh, kids are like really good with one particular instrument, and have a page where they perform a little bit of music. They they give Jade a page where you play the flute, and all you do is like you mash the keys on your keyboard, and she makes discordant flute sounds. Yeah, that is good. Uh, then we see her actual instrument, which is like a. The bass. Yeah, it's yeah. it's not a bass. It's like a, a double neck bass, the sort of which you would only see perform or played by members of the darkness. Well, it's it's there. There are two forms to the bass. There's the normal bass, which is like yeah, just a a, a double form. It's it's a double necked bass, and yeah. uh, she specifically had it tuned down so that she can like yeah, she's only small. play it on the on the the low notes, and then she also has a sort of like Dick Van Dyke in Mary Poppins-esque uh, one-man band bass, which has well, a synthesizer and a guitar and a drum machine and all sorts of other stuff built I'll, into it. I'll be honest, they both look like instruments that were played by members of the darkness. <laughs> one was played by Justin Hawkins, the other was played by his brother Dan. 
yes, I know both of the Hawk, uh, the <laughs> their names. But yeah, they're, they're both like very ostentatious, very ridiculous looking. Like even the regular form of the bass guitar looks uh, stupid. It looks stupid. Uh, but we do hear a song at this point, uh, which is uh, which must be Jade's theme. And why have I not gotten it written down? Well, his his here's a problem here with with so all of the other kids introduction songs are their introduction songs as they originally were as we previously discussed on on the podcast in the first episode there was the controversy surrounding bill bolin and mm. the removal of his music from the webcomic so the original song that was played here was a bill bolin track was it a version and- of dimension Hmm? Was it a version of a later song called Dimension? Dimension? Uh, no, was it a, another version, uh, you know, like uh, the, the introduction version of the, the song that comes up later in the comic called Dimension? Hi there, this is Carl in Post. Just quickly dropping in to explain that I made a typo in my notes. It's actually a song called Dissension, not Dimension. I found that out. I'm putting the episode together. Sorry. Oh no, not I. I'm not I. I'm pretty sure it's not. Okay, because that's the only other thing that I thought could have been her theme song. Uh, so, just because, uh, like I, a lot of the other characters have their battle theme be a remix of their theme mm, song, and that is her battle theme. Dimension on the, the song that played. Yeah. Oh, oh, right. Yes, when when she's playing with Beck. Yeah, yeah. When she's playing with yeah. Beck. So there is an issue, like, I think as a result of um, Rose's original, like, introduction song being written by Bill Bolin and being taken out of the soundtrack is that it leaves in the final, like, version of Homestuck Jade without, like, a song that you can really say is Jade's song. Because a lot of a lot of the music that is associated with Jade going forward is Bill. No, is it? It isn't. It isn't Bill. But all all of the other kids have moments in the story that are exclusively theirs. Okay. Jade's future, future, like, J- like. We we may as well talk about Becquerel now. Mm. Becquerel is not a normal dog. Yeah, you don't say. The the dog that has like uh, transdimensional abilities might be- not be-, be very normal. Yeah, the, the limit that like from what we see, like Becquerel's powers are near limitless. Becquerel has we see Becquerel one just melt a bullet on contact with it so that it doesn't harm him. Two increase the size of a bullet to being, like, bigger than an airplane. Three, teleport a a bullet into deep space, along with himself and Jay, before teleporting them back. And four, be able to essentially stop time. This is one thing that I actually think, like, if you're not reading along, go go check these bits out. They're, like, really silly, like, Final Fantasy summon-esque 
animation chunks of like imagine yeah. summoning ni- knights of the round it's like doing that. right yeah so so the yeah the 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 premise of the animation is that J- jade has gone out to feed the dog that she's been mentioning throughout her time in the in the comic in this act called becquerel and the the first like Earlier in Act 2, you see Dave refer to Becquerel as a hell beast, and back then you could have just interpreted that as, oh, maybe Dave just doesn't like dogs. But, but no, then, he's, he's actually right, because Becquerel does not have a face. Beck, yes, Becquerel is entirely faceless. He <laughs> seems to beast. He seems to have been born out of a meteor that landed on Earth in like six, m- 600 million BC. He and he has like powers akin to that of a god. <laughs> so you would you would understand if like this Becquerel being an important part of Jade's life, Becquerel oh, going forward in the story often overshadows Jade in ways where you would associate pieces of music more with Becquerel than with Jade, just because in moments of high intensity where you have animated sequences, if Becquerel is around, Becquerel is stealing the scene from Jade. Okay, so, so that the, is character a prob- that, the character that has so far solved everything just by already knowing it has all of her moments stolen from her. I'm not, no, I'm not, saying, <laughs> I'm not saying all of that. I'm just saying the problem musically... Yeah, is I know that mean, yeah. is that all of the music that you could potentially say, oh, this is Jade's theme? People like me included think of those pieces of music and think, oh, that's Beck's theme. Mm. All of um, this music I associate with Becquerel because all of the times that this music is playing, playing and it's high intensity, it's Becquerel doing stuff. Even like with this fight scene, like you didn't associate the music, the like you didn't associate, um, um, like. The the like aggrieve with Rose's mum, and you didn't associate um show da- showtime with Dad. You associated them with John and yeah. Rose. That's why I associated Dimension with with Jade because it followed a pattern. Right, but a lot a lot of people like associated with Beck because Beck's Beck's doing all of the action in this. Like like, it, and oh, it's I wild to say uh, to say Jade that is doing an action. Jade, uh, Jade is, is shooting a she, gun. She is Jade is shooting a dog. An, yeah, she is role playing as an American police officer. She's role playing as Carl. No, I have not <laughs> shot a dog in a game. That was not me. People, <laughs> like, right, people always accuse me of being the person that like uh, shoots dogs in games. Um, when, you, you just create like, circumstances in which dogs can get shot. Right, no, no. Here's what happened. I was playing Life is Strange, and I was playing spoilers stupid... for Life is Strange. If you if you care about the the plot of Life is Strange, yes, yeah, skip ahead fast a bit little if, bit. If you if you've not played this game from like 2011, um, there's a dog in it's it. 2015. Called oh, okay, is it really that much more recent? Okay, y- yeah, it was. Well, it, it it could it could have started earlier than that. I remember yeah, the I, final I episode from came the out first. In I played it from the very first day. I was all on board with this high school drama game. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I I decided like I saw the gimmick of the game was like you could rewind time and redo any event in any possible way. So what I decided my gimmick of playing it was is that I was never going to rewind time if I didn't have to. And I accidentally killed Pompidou, which is uh, like the guy who lives in a caravan's pet dog. 
Uh, I threw uh, a toy over the van and it landed in the van and Pompidou got hit by a car. And I said, I'm not rewinding that because I'm sticking. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm sticking to my rule of, of consequence. Because that, like, that's what it felt like the interesting gimmick of the game was, is that consequences weren't permanent. And I wanted to know what would happen if I, tri- if I tried this game, which is playing with the idea of consequence, not in the way it intended. And, and the consequence was I killed the fucking dog. And it's a very it's it's strange because that that's not what I took out of Life is Strange at all. I took it. I took I played Life is Strange and I saw it as sort of a morality play surrounding the character of Max and how Max gains these powers and d- uses them for like the worst possible reasons. Yes, constantly. She- no, I'd said that's actually a reflection of you. Um, <laughs> so, oh, cut. Mm. Uh, mechanically, what the game is doing, like I'm just talking in sheer terms of mechanics, not in terms of like the plot. What it's doing is it's playing with the the consequence of of like a Bioware esque of like Fallout New Vegas esque, like choice and consequence in games. That's what it's doing. Mm. It's giving you a a second chance to reconsider after having seen the consequences because at the same time there was also a fair bit of discussion going around with those games about like people re- like uh reloading a save after making a decision so it seemed like it was sort of playing with that a bit so i was like okay i'll play back so, harder hmm. so that's what so i was doing. what 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 i saw in it it was that max isn't a very nice person no she's Ma- not no. Max doesn't really care about her friends particularly. She's and a, a lot and a lot of the mechanics, like a lot of the time travel mechanics are used to fake having a personality and fake being able to relate to people. Like um, Max Max arguably say, doesn't learn how to relate to people until like the very end of the game when she learns to give up her powers. <laughs> I would also say, like, when you're given the powers that she she is given, it's potential that you might also become that. You you would uh, quite sadistically play out bad consequences to see what you can get away with. It, it's playing with a lot of stuff like that. Anyway, some people might. I didn't play like that, but some people. I might play I like didn't. That. I I played it as like. I make a decision. That decision is final mm. unless I am forced otherwise. Yeah. And the consequences. Like, I, I I'm, I'm the guy. I'm one of the people who played like Undertale like when like in the week after it came out and like naturally got a pass like the the pacifist ending like didn't have to be told oh by the way you can you can do this without killing one anyone I was like no I I want I want to I've got this mechanic that lets me not kill people why shouldn't I just use that and then never went back and played it again to see the genocide ending or the neutral ending because i had no interest in going back and doing doing the bad options mm. uh for what it's worth i had uh the i am actually a disagreement of what is the actual bad ending of life is strange I ended up with her dying. I ended up with uh, the Fen dying. But the alternative is that she ends up having to spend her time with Max, which is also bad because Max sucks. Well, not not to not to again derail the entire podcast by making about another media property, but there there is so there is so much ink spilled on on what the correct ending of Life is Strange is and. 
and I, 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 it's yeah, just I, exhaust. It, yeah. it becomes exhausting. Like if you if you see the world one way and other people see the world another, to the point where you look at one of those two endings and say, "No, I don't see the problem with doing this." Then I, I'm not going to convince you otherwise. No, yeah, no amount, I, no amount of me point, pointing out how I see see the world is going to is going to change change someone's mind on that. So, yeah, my my approach was I was going to play this not as the time travel puppet master, right? Which is what the game wanted you to do. Oh it's no, what I, the plot I, is about. <laughs> It's but about I, I, a time travel puppet master. Right, but I think I think the theme of the game is that that is a bad thing. Yeah, yeah. Like, I, I, I don't see how you can play the final episode of that and not come out of it and say, "Oh, right, no, this was awful. This is yeah. like you using this power from the start was a bad thing. Even even if it gave some like, sure, it's good. It's good that Chloe had a chance to live, but it, you still like it's still how things." had to be and <laughs> and yeah i anyway 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 yeah dog killing uh yeah so i i don't i i'm not the dog shooter uh there was someone Jadis. else in our friend group who shot the dog in the division that was not me i was not the person shooting the dogs and that they had and they get the away disease. every single day that people don't don't roast them for it they get away with it yes every day that happens they roast me i will admit however that on fallout 4 on launch day when i made my character the very first thing i did on the outside was i shot dog meat in the face repeatedly but that was for one reason to, to see whether it was possible to kill dog meat. Yeah, I want to see if like companions were the, um, yeah were were perishable because Preston wasn't right in front of me. Dog meat was so you know. Anyway, anyway, I am not the dog lyncher of video games. <laughs> that would be Jade, who shot the we, dog five we times. Have- Okay, we have really massacred like the timeline of this because <laughs> the like what we're talking about now is past the page cutoff that we said that we we yeah, do we the break yeah. at. So we have to we have to rewind. We- yeah, yeah. So uh, structure in this. If we go too long, by the way, it's going to be a fucking mess. <laughs> Just yeah. going to have to slot a break in the discussion because there's no way to write uh, to do this episode as pages, and you've just got to do yeah. it as arcs. Yeah. So that, let's just so, double back on some. Yeah. I'll, I'll bring up a few things about yeah. Jade's before this that I think are worth mentioning. Uh, she she outside of the fortune telling stuff that comes later, she also has an interest in fortune telling in the real world. Like she she has uh tarot cards, mm-hmm. she has a uh magic eight ball that apparently is always wrong. And then she has and one that's always right, but it has a magic no... cue ball that yeah. is always right. Yeah, but it doesn't have a hole on it to actually tell yeah. you what it says. Which is a good bit. I like that. It is a good bit, yeah. Um and uh otherwise grandpa is seemingly also a creep. Like, yeah. well, was a creep while he was still alive. He has statues full of... No, he has uh, a room full of just knight statues that are just standing around. And then he has a room full of mummies. And not yeah, like he, sarcophaguses, like just raw mummies, like, he, dumped around the room. He also has a room full of hunting trophies, but as you look around those hunting trophies, you realise that some of them have been, like, stitched together. 
like they're not right, actually yeah, like, they're, like they're like jackalope sort of yeah, yeah. situations and where they yeah what i've got written in my notes is just that is is grandpa godric the grafted his house is full of like stitched together animals and knights wandering lost knights i am the lord of all that is golden <laughs> it's just him and that's not the only film soft reference I will be making in this act. Um, anyway, um, so I, I, is there anything else you want to say about um, about Jade's arc up until up until yes. the Becquerel stuff? Yeah, um, we he, she does get hit by the pestatron, and we see there's a group of friends on there. Yes. You got obviously John Rose and Dave. But she also has further usernames. Uh, the Troll Slum. Yes. Yeah, the Troll Slum. You got Carcino Geneticist, Arachnid's Grip, Twin Armageddons, and Terminally Capricious. And that is why I did just finally write down, even though I'd noticed it for a while, which is that the uh, username code is always lowercase, uppercase. Lowercase, uppercase, yeah. yeah. Is, is there a reason for why everyone has that? Um. I don't know why if there is a a stated reason why it's always lowercase uppercase but mm. it is yes it, it it is always set yeah. up that way uh Jade has a look through like her pestichum everyone's seemingly like asleep or busy or doing something but one of the things that she has sent is like a remix uh from Dave and I listen to all these little remixes um the version of Explore that keeps getting stuff added to it, uh, which is, I believe, like one of the songs. I think that is the song that Jade actually plays herself that has been added in the baseline. Yes. Um, yeah, like that. That might have been a different song originally, but I just felt yeah, that it so sounds the, like so. The, yeah, those were all like patched into the comic after the fact when they removed Bill Boland stuff. Originally, this page had all different music on it. That was all Bill Boland stuff. Yeah, uh, the version of Explore. Um, I'm going to actually play the version of Explore that plays here back earlier. So the one you heard before when we mentioned her playing the bass is actually going to be this one. Mm. It sounds like a, it sounds like a trip-hop song. <laughs> Hi, it's post-production Carl again. I'm wrong again here. Jade does not play this song on the bass, the one that you're hearing right now. She plays Gardener, and I presume she must have played a different song originally uh this the song that she that we're listening to right now is actually a remix of the song that plays during the outro sequence of the previous act the big long animated sequence either way enjoy uh this that issue is also why you didn't hear explore remix back back uh, when jay played the bass you actually heard gardener it didn't make sense anymore so i didn't do it It's yeah, just, yeah. Um, we hear crystal anthemums uh, or crystal anthems. Anthemums. Cri- cri- chrysanthemums. Yeah, I, I, Which I is, had the, trouble yes. reading it. Yeah, so, it's, a, it's a play on chrysanthemum, uh, the plant, but there's there's the word crystal in there as well. Oh, this is is this crystal anthems? Okay. Yes, yeah. Uh, because that sounds yes. like uh, YouTube save point video music. Have you ever seen those? No, I haven't. Uh, this uh, I don't f- think I. It's no. you've you've probably seen one and you've not realised it's a save point video. Uh, there's a lot of videos on YouTube that like play 
uh, background music from, like, uh, say, a Donkey Kong Country game. That's one of the really popular ones. Um, and, like, it's just titled as, like, uh, song name, video game. But it'll mm. bizarrely have, like, 8 million views or something like that. And if you go down to the comments, 100% of the comments will be people, like, checking in on what has happened to them in their life since oh, the last time yes, uh, they clicked yes, the video. Yes, now I know yeah. what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah it's, it's one of those, yeah. Um, so it sounds exactly like that sort of thing. It does sound like it came out of a Donkey Kong Country game. Um, we get Rediscover Fusion, which I have got written down here as Deus Ex Call Center Banger. <laughs> um, you, oh, you have a way with words, Carl. <laughs> Uh, we've got Oh God What, which is just the stockest VST plugin mix possible. And then there's Potential Verdancy. There's actually two versions of Verdancy, but Potential Verdancy yeah, so, is the only yeah, one I've so, Yeah, about. there's Verd- Verdancy baseline, and then there's the full version, which is Potential yeah. Ver- Verdancy. Yeah, although potential the, although the, version in, uh, the version in this um, Flash animation isn't actually the full version of Potential Verdancy. The yeah, pot- well, full version is on the album. Uh, so what I've got in for that is that it's like someone tried to turn Verdancy into a Radiohead track, and I, I can yes. hear Tom York go over the top of it singing, "Open <laughs> your past a chum," it's like that. Um, but he's doing his weird, <gasps> weird breathing that he does of like the early aughts. Says, "Oh, the the no, you're thinking of the the Craig Bellamy." That Craig Bellamy no, did. No, no, Tom does it a lot during like the not early, not as badly as Craig Bellamy did. Oh, sorry, Matt Bellamy. Yeah, yeah, like, he, he Matt, does it. Matt, yeah, Matt, Matt Bellamy, Bellamy had a, a style of singing where he would never take it. Like he would never pause to breathe. He would always like sneak in a gasp between. Oh no! Um, so it seemed to me like uh, Tom York was always doing it intentionally. Uh, right, it yes. wasn't that he was like not giving himself time to breathe. It's that like he was using it as like uh, impact of effect. Um, but it's like I'm just imagining like talking about being a creep on the pester chum. Um, <laughs> spill your teenage forts onto the web, <clears throat> doing that sort of thing. Um, so yeah, that was my thoughts of potential verdancy. Like you get all like weird, like uh, like crushed up sounds which is very um johnny greenwoody sort of stuff um someone clearly just been listening to their early aughts collection um and then jade is uh browsing ms paint adventure uh where we finally get either the first or the second time uh title drop i don't know if a colossal waste of time is actually mentioned before this i'm not i don't remember no this is i believe this is the the first time that it is used, yes. Yeah, but it's used in a panel of John in his house from the very start of the comic. And I'm like, it's, I don't remember them actually saying that at the start, though. No, it, it, no, this... The, well, we we find we find out that that the version of MS Page Adventures that exists within the Homestead universe isn't the same because they they are following the Avengers of the Midnight Crew, and for some reason John is also in there. It's weird. That's that's yeah, not. Yeah. It's not. Yeah, it's here, not something to dwell that much on. <laughs> yeah, here I uh, in correction of my forgetting earlier of the Midnight Crew. I can see here my notes do actually say we get an animation here of something called the Midnight Crew. Uh, where Dead Shuffle plays, uh, which is another been... replaced track from a from a Bill Bowen track. A lot, 
a lot of what what was replaced happens within Act Three. Ah, uh, okay. Is the thing. A lot of uh, this is is stuff that's been g- g- retroactively added to the comic. But as I do remember, uh, I did say like this seems like some sort of in joke here. I don't really get it. It turns out, as you mentioned, it's not actually an in joke. Um, yeah, no, there it's. Uh, you, you will find out in the next episodes that uh, oh, okay. the the, mid, the midnight crew are real characters. Okay, uh, but yeah, she's she's just like sort of chilling out, waiting around for people to wake up, and all the while she's like sending stuff over pester chum to people. But she's got a weirdly flirty demeanor, is what I'll say. <laughs> like, like so she no, I I've known people like this who ju- who who just type like this to everyone. Yeah, maybe maybe it's just me. I'm very, I'm very cold in how I type. <laughs> very cold and very emotionless. I actually, I'm like a full caps or all like not full caps, uh, full punctuation at all times. Yeah, like put, put, putting people. putting the full stops that make people think that you might be being passive aggressive towards them. Yeah, yeah, I I do that. Yeah, fucks people up big time. Makes <laughs> them really terrified. And I'm like, oh, no, I was actually just telling you what I ate for tea. That's that's all I was doing. It was pie. Yeah. I had a pie. Full stop. Yeah, pie. No, nothing to add. Yeah, it was all right. Full stop. <laughs> Capital I. Um. Yeah. Like. Uh. And also, it wouldn't actually be. It was a pie. It would be about eight hundred words about the pie. Come on, it's me. It's me. <laughs> and I would have typed that in like thirty seconds. <laughs> Um, yeah, she's like messaging people back and forth, and uh, she's like very personal with them. Very personal, very not personal, personable. That's it. Mm. Like uh, she's she's, 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 sen- she's sending everyone hearts, even even Rose. It's no, it's no. It's, I, that makes me that that's the main thing that makes me think it's not really a flirtatious thing. Yeah, she's, like she, she's, she's equally like that with Rose. She sort of types like a British boomer. No, no, no. I I would say no, she I'm, types. She she types like a a girl who was really into anime in like two thousand three two thousand four in the AOL instant messenger uh, era. I don't know. She leaves like X's and stuff like that and hearts. It feels like I'm talking to like my mum. <laughs> like she, she'll leave you like fucking hugs and kisses. There'll be more hugs and kisses than actual text in the original message. <laughs> Jade, Jade's not that much like that. She's not leaving long strings of kisses or anything. Yeah, I know, but she's closing off most conversations with like some weird with amount a heart of affection. Or something, yeah. yeah, yeah. I I am describing it as weird amount of affection just because I'm fucking stone cold. Well, I, I'm 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 just over here. I'm just going to circle back and point out again that Jade seems to live alone with a dog on an island with the corpse of her grandfather. Maybe maybe she's starved for affection. She seems to get it. Everyone likes her. Nobody oh yeah, no, it, yeah. No, nobody seems to dislike Jade at all. No. Yeah, like like the dynamic between Rose and other characters. There's sometimes a bit of conflict, a bit of push and push and give, like. But this is friendly, but there's no no actual animosity or confusion at all with Jade, other than her mm. ability to seemingly predict things. Yeah, there is confusion at that, though. No hostility. But there are there. Well, I, I there is a little bit of hostility towards um, the first the first troll that that we get in the comic, Carcinogeneticist, who who somehow managed to unblock himself. From Jade's pester jump to to harass her, 
there's hostility with all the trolls, though. Everyone that gets a message from the trolls is openly hostile to them, including like the instance where Dave out-trolls the troll <laughs> that they feel personally Im- uh, impacted by it and have to well, go. That's I I I I love that page. I love it so much. Even even though. Uh, Dave both drops a slur in that page yes, and also does. is anti-Semitic on that page. <laughs> I still love way, it. Uh, the slur count in in this act is actually quite high. Uh, it is a lot quite of uses high. of the R slur, a lot of uses yeah. of the F slur, uh, the anti-Semitism that you mention. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of uh, not good, not good, and it's mostly it has, from it, Dave. It is mostly from Dave, and. Yet I still, I should just get a T-shirt printed saying my favourite character is the one who says slurs because yeah. I'm never, I'm never going to back down from that. Um, yeah, uh, like the troll hops in and like sort of has animosity with her, but that's that's so a tiny do, bit. Today's the day you finally fuck everything up. Uh, uh, anyway, those those goes down into the uh, the mausoleum. Uh, this is like the start of like true hell in this act, like misery reading, which is oh yeah yeah. Now we're talking is, about Rose, by the yeah, way. That the that pan- wasn't Carl getting Rose and Jade's names mixed up. Yeah, yeah. we're actually talking about another character. Now. All right, so like uh, like we see Rose go down to the mausoleum. That's it. Uh, back to Jade. <laughs> <laughs> like that's we're done. Like yeah, that that's that's what I mean with like welcome to hell in yeah. this. Um. Like we see, like a moment of, and it's a shame because I like, I really like all the stuff that happens with Rose in this act. Yeah, and it's a shame that it's constantly being cut away from. Yeah, so just to give you a sense of this, like in in page eight thirty eight, we're on Jade. In eight thirty nine, we're on Rose. By eight forty one, we have changed character back to Jade. Eight forty three, we are on. John, 8.44, we are on Peregrine Mendicant, 8.45, we are on John, editing Rose's game FAQs page. It is like, there's there's nothing like constant going on here. 8.47, by the way, back on Rose. <laughs> like, it, it, it is a bit being passed over constantly, uh, like, and it feels like nothing happens in any of the individual panels when it does this. It's chaos. It's hard. It is, yeah. yeah. It's hard to keep up with. Um, yeah, uh, John. John makes some contributions uh, to to Rose's game FAQs after absolutely battering the ogres on the roof. Uh, he just describes like the exploit he has with the uh, the punch card machines. Um, he's just talking about like how it works and how does. He addresses in this moment something I mentioned last episode, which is like, you can't brute force the punch card machine because mm. he says it's 300 trillion possible combinations. And then there's also like an interactive system on this page where like you, yeah, where you generate can your gen- own punch yeah, card. Yeah, generate the, the QR code, the, not the QR codes, the, um, the capture strings. Yeah, but I didn't actually understand how it worked. Where it's like so, it's I forget the dimensions of the grids, but it's it's a grid where each hole can be either punched or not punched. Mm, but like it, and, I, all I could do was post in like a, an image, a link to an image URL, 
and uh, put in a eight-digit number, Ooh. and um, it, all it did was make a punch card with with those eight digits on it. It didn't didn't mm. seem particularly interesting or exciting as a, as a feature. I'm like, can, uh, okay. Can we quickly just take a break? Okay, that's second. fine. We'll be back in just a moment. And we're back. Um, thank you for uh, sticking with us. I don't know why I said that. It's not like you. It's been ten seconds it, for you. It, it, well, it's it's been ten seconds plus the preceding two hours and twenty minutes for them. <laughs> yeah. Thank so you thank you for, you for sticking with us. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that makes me wonder actually how I'm even going to edit this if it's already two hour twenty. Uh, <laughs> but let's press on. Let's press on. We got a hundred pages. Let's let's crank through them. Um, so yeah. Um, what were we immediately discussing? We well, we were we were talking about the the punch cards. And, yes, and yeah, the complexity worked. of this system and how like even the little mini game, like the little device that they gave you. Like, I dropped a random picture that was recently posted somewhere. I think it was like a Twitter link. It was like, oh, it was the fucking Star Trek Irish unification of twenty twenty four thing in the. Uh, uh, so I dropped that in, and it did actually register that image when I dropped it in, um, or the URL for it. And then like, it, it just didn't make any sense what it was actually doing. But I made a punch card of uh, data talking about the Irish reunification of 2024. Great. Yeah. Uh, in that case, it's probably converting the ju- just the, like, the bitmap, I suppose, is converting into a bitmap and then taking the bits, the bit values, and converting them into the equivalent punch cards. Maybe, setup. maybe. I I don't really know what purpose it was supposed to be serving. Anyway, we cut back to Rose. You're going to keep hearing that she goes further down the mausoleum. Well, I- can can we just take the the cutting back and forth as 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 granted as given as granted yeah yeah but uh, like I I do need to justify why we're talking about Rose all of a sudden uh, she's going down into the mausoleum uh, and we see that like the 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 mausoleum beneath it seems to have like a Batcave-esque uh, laboratory in it with the yeah, logo because, because this S-A. this opened up in um, in the animation at the end of Act Two. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Rose's mum pushed a button inside the house, and uh, a ladder appeared from underneath uh, Jasper's coffin, leading down into this yeah this Batcave sort of s- mm-hmm. situation. Yeah, and it, like uh, as Rose enters, we see like uh, the logo or. A company logo of SN, and on both the curves of the S, there's a shape. On the top one, you've got like the suburb logo, which for those who haven't actually been reading, the suburb logo sort of looks like what you'd make using Spirograph, uh, mm, the, the toy, yes. and then like an atomic symbol, um, 
or radioactive or it's an, it's an atomic symbol uh but the place that she's in is very green alarmingly green so green but that's all we see for now um we go back to jade um where we see like she's exploring the house um which it, this is where I mistakenly believed actually that she had sisters uh, mm. called the daughters of Eclectica. Uh, yeah, um, and this is where the troll jumps in and starts annoying her. And with this, we are actually up to where we should be in the plot. We've sort of been jumping back and forth a lot. We 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 we've been acting as if uh, Jade's story is told like neatly and chronologically when it absolutely <laughs> isn't. <laughs> no, it's not. It's so. So impenetrable. Um, in fact, it's so impenetrable that the moment we catch up to where we're supposed to be, we jump over to Vose. Um, hey. Yeah, yeah. Um, she's looking at a device called the Hub Grid, and she's trying to find somewhere to plug a laptop in. Uh, of course, they take this great moment of uh, of Vose looking around to squeeze in a capture log joke of her dropping over information and drunk on the floor. Well. I think I think we have actually missed something. Like I know I know I know there's barely any point in talking about Dave's contribution to this act. But can I just say that I really like Beatdown? Oh yeah, yeah. Beatdown is good, yeah. Yeah, Beatdown is good. In fact like, Beatdown is is Dave's battle theme as opposed to like Dave's quote unquote theme, which was upward movement when he was climbing the stairs in Act Two. Like this this is his equivalent of Grieve and uh, Showtime. Mm-hmm. In fact, Beatdown is so good that you're going to be hearing it as the intermission Ooh, from like baby, a minute yes. ago. As a minute ago. <laughs> it's just, when I took a break in the middle there, you're going to be hearing Beatdown. Okay, there you go. Beatdown is included in the episode to make sure. I and, and, there are, and there are, is it three different versions of Beatdown in this act or only the two? Oh, it, it, plays a, it plays three different times. I don't know if three different. Yeah, I don't they know. They are each versions, different versions. Yeah. Oh, okay. Because it's beat down, beat down round two, and I forget what the third uh I forget what the third version is called, but there is a third version, I believe. Mm-hmm. But as as Rose is putting about and dropping all of her items on the floor, she accidentally drops the dead body of of Jasper onto what looks like a a device on the floor that looks like it's got the same symbology that's been on a lot of the equipment that we've seen so far, but Jasper is immediately whipped away in a green flash. And I haven't seen Jade's house and not being a complete idiot. You can probably tell this is a teleportation device. Ah, it's a disappearifier. I yeah, think you'll it's, find. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, it, it's it's the same same concept. Anyway. I did. I did. I did like the joke with um, uh, going through Jade's tech that she has a cookalizer and a refrigerator, mm-hmm. as opposed to a refrigerizer, which is the household object. Uh, uh, and that, that never becomes relevant in this act. I was no. expecting her to bring up the the the. The oven that she has and the fridge that she has again. Well, she 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 cooks she cooks the meat for Beck, but yeah, that's it. Yeah, like I was expecting it to be like a more important than that. Like she uses it to solve a moment of crisis, but no, of course not. She uses uh, like the ability to know everything to solve the moment of crisis. 
But uh, as as Rose is doing this, she drops Jasper. Jasper gets disappeared, and we see in that moment a face of anguish on Rose. No, it couldn't be. Yeah, a face no, of she doesn't care about Jasper. <laughs> nah, nah. Nah, it's, it's just disgust, you know. Disgust at herself for dropping her stuff. Not about her uh, dead pet cat getting turned into, uh, like, dust in front of her eyes. Um, but she collects all the things together and attempts to plug into uh, this hub grid that is around. The hub grid is like a... It's what, maybe like... 200 cubes it's, wide there, like there are, yeah there's there, I think there are a total of like 2,000 cubes so it must be like oh 2,000 okay I think <laughs> I it's like by a fair bit I think it's 120 by one mm, no it, there are a lot if, there are a lot of cubes it's yeah a there's a lot place. of cubes and um, one of them is like active recently um, cube number 413 is active yeah, yeah so she plugs into it uh, well, she plugs into uh, some of the cubes around her and tries to collect one of them. Um, but we jump back to Dave. He's still battling, bro. Um, and he gets chucked down the stairs. That, that, looks, that was a really long stair-falling animation, by the way. Wait, it's a really tall building. Fair. Fair. <laughs> It is actually a really tall it building. It's a really irresponsible place to be doing a sword battle. You should be doing it in a public park. Come on. It... No, no health and safety considerations for this sword fight. Mm. Yeah, as as a qualified health and safety expector, in, inspector, I have my TUC health and safety one, you know, and I will say this is this is not meeting... This is not up to code. Can you show me a risk assessment for this sword battle, please? <laughs> Uh, okay, what are the mitigating factors you've got in here to... Uh, uh, well, we've got a puppet. Is is that a mitigating factor? <laughs> yeah, it's mitigating my want to be here anymore. Anyway, anyway. Um, <clears throat> so, in this sequence, we're also seeing that Rose is getting like the same uh, disruptive thoughts that John had been getting from the mayor. Like, sometimes she'll get a message in all caps, like John was getting, and she'll comment on them as like, why am I thinking about this? This is what we see before we see the terminal that actually shows the map of Northeast America that we described earlier, mm. uh, where we see where everyone's location is. Yeah, so the the context of this map is that it's showing the the meteors, that there, there have been meteor showers around Rose's house the past few hours, we we saw that there were also meteors falling around Dave's apartment, mm-hmm. and we now see that every single meteor impact across the United States is being mapped on this terminal. Uh, and there are hundreds like, of them. There, there. Well, if you count like the the tiny little ones, there are millions of them. Yeah, because we yeah. see the zoom. We see the zoom in on Rose's house. And they're they're completely dotting the area around the house, leaving the area of the house itself like basically dedicated to a larger meteor impact that's timed for later on. Mm-hmm. Like the, there's a clear obliteration of all things that is going to take place here. Um, and like at this point is when Rose notices that the like. 
most of them are taking place in in like areas with land, but the largest ones are targeting that area out in the um in the Pacific mm. Ocean. Right, yes. Like she she finds a drop down menu which is like sought by size of impact and the three largest impacts are the impact on the her house an impact Mm -hmm. in texas and an impact in the middle of the pacific yeah which made me think like does one of our cast live in texas but yes yeah that's dave yeah 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 i think Um, i think it's believed to it's meant to be houston i believe Mm-hmm. Like it's ne- it's never mentioned in the text, but I believe Dave is meant to live in Houston. Yeah, um, uh, but that's sort of all we all we see for a moment as we go to to John, who's still still engaged in martial arts against the uh, the, the two ogres, um, and he wins. And that's it. He wins. That's 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 John's arc, basically. Does he win at this complete. point? I thought. I thought he. Oh, is yeah, so. It's, has it's Rose right logged that, back on now? Yeah, it's right. Yeah, he, he, she's about to log back on. Um, yeah, because b- we start before seeing the house. Yeah, before uh, Rose logged on, John was in a bit like John. John was hitting the ogres, but then the ogres were just like trapping him inside a tire ring and swinging around and smashing him around. Yeah, but once uh, Rose logs back in, she's able to use her her powers of dropping large objects on things to help beat the ogres by dropping the entire alchemy setup. On Actually, one of it's, the... it seems like it's more Nana sprite, given like the the hands so, up. Yeah. To, like so, she's yeah. dropping huge beams and throwing stuff around as well. Hmm. But the t- the two killing blows are John doing the extreme bounce tech off of the floating uh, alchemy platform that Rose has put up there, and then the alchemy platform landing on the second ogre. So Rose is instrumental in the victory, I would say. Yeah, yeah, but I've got to give it to Nana. I've got to give it to okay, Nana. Okay, okay. We'll, we'll, we'll give beams. N- Nana gets her high five. She's been yeah, left yeah. hanging long enough. Um, but she, she, she really keeps asking for John to open the book for once. Hey, open hey, Sasaka's book. Yeah, there's important underlined words in there, John. He, he doesn't do it. He doesn't do it. But she does leave a cryptic message here, which is, um, when you pass through the first gate, everything will change. You will find the place where the constellations dance beneath the clouds, and then your true work may begin. Th- that's what she says. Yes, that is what she says, and it's accurate. Mm-hmm. Uh, but now we jump over to, I think, I think we're back <laughs> with... God, doing this chronologically, it wasn't... It's, yeah, it's, it, doing it this is chronologically, it's, yeah, it's incoherent if you do it chronologically. We're with, we're with Dad now. We're with Dad. Uh, we're actually in Anolondo. Um, after you've yes, attacked Guinevere's it, illusion, yeah, yeah, it it's uh, so all, all of this stuff is is constructed out of stock images of cathedrals and French chateaus and the like, like tessellating uh, in on itself. Yeah, this is actually Milano Cathedral. You can tell by like the the strut, which is actually also what Anno Londo was mm. based upon. Um, later we'll yeah, see the, another the rooftop shot. bits that you yeah. you walk along. Yeah, yeah. 
Uh, later we'll actually see um, this this area again, but from uh, Jade's perspective, and it will be gold-tinged. And this is three years before Dark Souls. Did yep. Andrew Hussey invent Anor Londo? <laughs> <laughs> Confirmed! Um, Game has, theory! Yeah, it has the two colour codes of Anor Londo, which is uh, alarmingly golden, and then like a dark purple grey, mm. which is before and after you kill Guinevere. Right now that we're seeing it with Dad, it is, uh, yeah. is post-Guinevere grey. <laughs> Although in, in Homestuck it's not the same place, let's be clear. Yeah, yeah, but it's it's the same yeah. imagery in the background that's being, yeah. being used. It's not clear to the- me that it's not the same place, actually. Well, um, last last time we had um, uh, the mayor drew all of the planets on the walls, and he drew one golden planet and one purple planet. Yeah, but we also have like it. I I read it in the context of this act, which is that we see a lot of time fuckery in this act, where we see um, actually where Jade lives, both in the present and in the distant future. And we've also seen it, I presume, okay, in the distant okay, past. Sure. So, like, I was like, is is there some sort of time that happens here where perhaps it gets taken over and goes from gold to being purple? Who knows? No. Maybe someone goes in there and dispels Guinevere's illusion. <laughs> someone destroys the magnificent chest. Um, but we see not, here... Not Dad. Dad. Dad would never. No, Dad would never. Instead, Dad is fighting imps and punching one that looks like a child with a dunce hat on the head. <laughs> it, 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 in, in the context of you pointing out that the the imps may be pacifists last yeah. time, yeah. It, it is a bit sad to see, see uh, Dad punch this child. Pacifists, and all of the imps are actually really small and childlike, so... Yes. Uh, while it appears they may have detained Dad, it does not seem as if they've harmed him at all. He has not been harmed. He's maybe been annoyed, but he seems fine. Um, but we see here Jack Noir for the first time. We don't have Jack Noir's actual name yet, but their physical appearance is that of a real egghead. Like, their head is just <laughs> shaped it's, it's, like it's, an yeah, egg. Yeah, shaped like an egg, yeah. Yeah. And they say uh, graveyard stuffers. I, I don't know if that's about dad, about the. It imps. could be about dad, or it could be about the imps. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not clear, but um, the the uniform of of uh, Jack Noir is Joseph's amazing technical dream coat. Yes, uh, it, there there is a, there is a fashion going amongst. Um, this this purple planet of people dressing rather clownish mm-hmm. uh, in in motley and uh, harlequinesque garb and uh, Jack's uniform is no exception. Although he he does take exception to the hats that are part of the uniform, he he he'll wear the robes, but he refuses to wear the hats. Yeah, he sees it as something of an insult. And just to close off Dad's plot, because there's only one more appearance of Dad. Or two more appearances of Dad in this is that Dad is brutally strong and throws a safe out of a window. He is so strong, like like Jack Jack Noir sends like his best guy to yeah. go and take care and of huge. Dad. But like, he's a huge, huge, like huge, uh, like the same same as the imps and same as Jack and like big, big, like 
black round sort of features like but re- really like big and burly goes goes to try and take take on dad and dad just gets him in the headlock and just starts punching him. yeah and then sort of throws him out of a window basically yeah like he tosses him away it's fine it's nothing yeah but then uh dad somehow destroys jack noir's hat and jack noir lets him go because of that no he 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 sets Jack Noir's hat on fire yeah, with yeah, a he, match he, from from his uh, pipe, and yeah. then douses it in shaving cream and stamps it out. Yeah, uh, and then Jack Noir's like, "Oh, okay, you can <laughs> like, go." Yeah, anyone who destroys a hat is fine by me. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, so, just going to take a quick sip of a drink because I've got a long read quote that I am going to make right here. Oh, is is this is this grist uh, essay part two mm-mm, mm-mm. about hats? No, it's a message of pure respect right here. Um, we gave him a big ups before. We're going to do it again. Um, so we see the peregrine mendicant now. We cut back over to them. Ah, yes. Um, they're a bit lost in location where they're going, um, and they're sort of going through the possessions that they have, and it appears to us that peregrine mendicant is working in the delivery sector. Uh, so the mayor gets called the mayor because mayor, the mayor puts on a mayor sash. Does yep. Peregrine Mendicant also have a name of the male yes. woman? Okay. She is she is the postmistress. Okay, that's an annoying way yes. of saying it, but okay. Well, be, because it's also PM is the thing. Okay. Her, her, her title, the Peregrine Mendicant, is shortened to PM, which also can be read as postmistress. Most people would just write PM rather than fully writing out postmistress. But okay. her, her non-official like title is the postmistress. Yeah. Uh, there's, there's a long message here uh, about, um, about the postmistress attempting to open a letter and then realising, no, this, it's, I can't do this. The mail gonna, is sacred. The mail yeah. must be delivered. Yeah, and I'm reading this out in respect for all of the posties out there, our brave posties and those we have lost. All right, just a moment. <laughs> the mail is the one final hope for resurrecting a dead planet from its ashes, and the letter carriers are the brave soldiers of God in this righteous crusade. They are the defenders of the light of knowledge free communication and the exchange of ideas. They are the bold toters of all those little papery conduits of freedom, the white postmarked angels that whisper a message on their deliverance, a promise to the yearning. There is hope yet. Liberty, reason, justice, civility, edification, perfection, Male. I like that. Bra- bravo. And is it this page where the male is written in like male font, like like pictures of envelopes making up the words, or is it a later mention of the male that? that oh, I didn't that? even peg that at any point. I don't know when that is. It might be now, though. It, I, I know. I know. She she talks about the mail a second point later on in the act. But one of those two times, the letters of mail are constructed out of images of envelopes. Yeah, I, I definitely don't remember either time that happened. But I am not far from this page, so I'm going to quickly go back and 
check. Because I had to open it up earlier for another reason. Uh, no, it's not this time. Okay. Yeah. Uh, there is there is a good s- shot of, of the peregrine mendicant, of the postmistress, tearing up as this speech <laughs> is is delivered, though, with like a pulsating post in the background, quivering back and forth. It's it's maybe my second favorite panel in this in this segment of the of the pages. thing about the thing about the exiles is that they're just so inherently likable because like they're they're they're, they're just they they're so sincere. Yeah, they're as goofs. as characters like like. The mayor cares so much about democracy. The, the peregrine mendicant cares so much about mail. Uh, AR cares so much about guns. I guess that doesn't really fit the the pattern as as well. Oh, he really AR does care about guns. I can't believe we got an American in this story. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, they're, they're goofs. They're big goofballs. Yeah, uh, like the weird little zealots, little freaks, and I kind of like them. Um, they're, they're 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 trying to find meaning on a on a post apocalyptic planet is the thing, mm-hmm. um, um, and the mendicant's meaning is is delivering a post to these people that no longer exist. But the, she 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 gets her wish because she, she does end up getting getting a parcel to deliver. Yeah, that she may actually be able to deliver. Mm-hmm. Um. So on the mendicant airship, we see that it's somewhat similar to the mares internally. They've got a mitre with four large screens, and the mendicant, uh, the the mistress, is able to watch Jade through her system. Uh, however, on her first attempt to contact Jade, uh, where she tries to say hi, everything immediately goes haywire and explodes. Yes, so, the so down. what what she tries to say to Jade is, "Don't I know you?" Yeah, and J- Jade looks into the camera after she says this, and sort of freaks out a little bit. And then you see like green flashes of like lightning surrounding mm-hmm. Jade, which later on in the uh, in in the act we find out is a a indication of Beck doing something. Yeah, because Be- Beck's actions are also accompanied by like flashes of like bright green light. Mm-hmm. Um, so, 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 but that that causes whatever happens on Jade's end causes the monitor to blow up in in PM's face. Mm-hmm. And we are rapidly approaching the actual end of this episode now, uh, as we're in the last few pages. So we're back with Jade for a moment. Um, we're seeing that like her grandpa also collects globes. This guy's collecting so many things. Like he collects knights, he collects uh, trophies, he collects uh, '80s babes, he collects um, globes. What does I'm going to be honest? Collect? None of none of the collections look particularly impressive. No, they don't. They're just like a random smattering of everything. The only impressive thing is like he has a a like taxidermied giant monster in the basement, like blocking off one of the doorways. Yeah, uh, it seems like he's not put any thought into his artistry. Uh, unlike unlike Rose's mum, who at least you know, like a giant wizard statue is 
kind of cool. There and he and also in in the parlor where he he like is stuffed and mounted. There are also like four other like just like weird doll things, like sim- similar to the the like similar in proportions to like the Harlequin doll that uh, John got for his birthday and the. Well, um, tentacle princess doll that Rose got from her mother. Jade like, explains this as being like a, a tea party that happens basically every single day down in his basement. It's uh, weird. Yeah, well, it's, of course it's it's, a, it's, yeah, it's weird. Of course, this is it's probably for taxidermied people. With him, it's it's probably the taxidermy bodies of his. Yeah, they might be. They, yeah, that and that's that's grim. Yeah, I mean. You gotta do what you gotta like, do. Like, did 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 Grandpa have those like in his study before he died? Was <laughs> was he like? Is is this an entra- eccentricity of Jay's, or is this an eccentricity of Grandpa's? Is, is or is it an eccentricity of the four friends? They all chose well, to be. Or they tombs. requested. Yeah, to, they, <laughs> like servants with the Pharaoh. <laughs> yeah, like uh, it's like going down with Cleopatra. Um, like they all kill themselves all at the same time. Oh no, the 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 great leader is is gone. Um, yeah, she she tries to dodge uh, through this uh, this like kind of kind of a living room sort of environment that Grandpa has, but her narcolepsy kicks in mid action roll and she drops to the floor, causing but not for long. <laughs> yeah, she wakes up immediately. Uh, <laughs> Causing uh, a battle segment and a, uh, and a grieve, um, or whatever it would be called for her. Except, it, much like um, the flute section um, uh, mentioned earlier, it's uh, it's a, a scene where you mash buttons on your keyboard and she just like mimes out during a fight because the person she's meant to be fighting is dead. Yeah, and also, if, if they were alive, she would be shooting them with a gun, and it's her well, granddad. No, she, she's just going, pew, 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 and not actually shooting the gun. Yeah, no, I mean, if she wasn't acting it out, she would be oh, yeah, yeah. definitely murdering her granddad. No question about it. Um, what I do like is that in, in this little battle here, um, obviously you can hit like any of the, the keyboard keys uh, in the QWERTY layout. You can't hit like the numbers tab or anything like that. The mm. main keys. Uh, but hitting Z does cause her to fall asleep. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. I, did, I did like that. Uh, well, and like, also, I, I, I think the um, the buttons on the edge of the keyboard, like yeah. the comma... Um, yeah, the, the forward slash the... causes her to uh, fall asleep on the mantelpiece. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the others aren't that interesting. It's just funny to see her fall asleep on the mantelpiece next to a large picture of herself, <laughs> wearing some strange pajamas. But yeah, uh, yeah. but that that's for later. Okay, okay, that's going to be relevant. <laughs> uh, it's at this point that we discover that Grandpa is potentially dead. She just drops it as a as a one note word. Oh yeah, he's dead. Well, no, I I mean it's obvious he's he's dead because. Like throughout throughout the fights, he's like a stuffed like he's. You can see the stitches around. Yeah, him. yeah, but like before she says that, it could have just been the case that she was playing make believe with this thing, uh, 
and that granddad was fine elsewhere. She was just pretending this was alive granddad for the moment. Not that this was a taxidermied statue of her of her granddad who is dead. I like it is possible that he I, could have I been think, alive think, elsewhere. I I I think maybe she's just having yeah, I think she's just doing a little bit of coping make believe. Mm. But like there's there's no hint before this point that granddad is Oh no, no, she talks dead. about she talks about him as if he's alive, yes. Yeah, yeah. Um so yeah, we just get that dropped on us immediately, which caused me just to stop and look at the page for like, what? That's how you're telling us this? Oh okay. Um But we go back to the mendicant uh after this little battle section. Uh, the mistress. She's dropped from the sky and she's now lying, or her giant flying orb uh, is lying in the middle of the desert. And we're sort of hovering over a canyon somewhere which looks alarmingly like another environment that we see in this act. But you'll hear more about that one next time (laughs) because we're approaching the very end of, of this now. Have we skipped a little bit of Rose stuff? Have we talked about Rose finding uh, the bedroom? Uh, we're about to do that right now. Okay. Yeah, the me- immediately after the mendicant, uh, the mistress uh, getting assisted by the giant worm, um, which recovers a post box for her. Uh, we go back to Rose, who finds a little kitten, uh, a little mutant kitten. And when she does, she immediately takes it in, proven once more... <laughs> She definitely likes cats and cares about them. It's not something that she's and, emotionless about. Yeah, it, and it's, it's a very cute mutant kitten. It's got it's got two extra eyes where it's I like where it's cats don't have eyebrows, but where eyebrows would be on the face, it's got two extra eyes. Yeah, it's just it's a happy little kitten. Uh, play playing just playing in the background in a lot of the the future panels. Mm-hmm. And there's the bedroom that you mentioned in this in this section here. Um, what's what's going on with the bedroom? What's the deal with the bedroom? Is, is this a genuine question, or are you are you are you like playing along? Uh, I'm queuing to yeah. hand over to you, but also I'm not fully sure what's going on with the bedroom. My, yeah, my so- view is one of two sides, which is that it could either be Rose's bedroom from when she was a little kid. Because uh, well, it's covered in Rose, cat things. Rose doesn't seem to recognise the the bedroom, and she also like kind of talks about like just not wanting to like process what this could possibly mean in this moment. Yeah, and uh, a little bit later, when Rose goes back to the house, she teleports into a room she'd always assumed was her mum's bedroom, but it turns out doesn't actually have any bed furniture in it. Yeah, it's like a and- bar. And she says that uh, she's going to choose not to be too melodramatic about this uh, revelation. So what what isn't actually ever being said out loud in the comic in, in all of this is that Rose's mum lives in this kind of like child's bedroom. Yeah, that's, that's why I was like apprehensive of saying like, oh, right, is this her mum's bedroom? Even though it had wizards in there. Um, yeah, because because, because well, it is a child's room, <laughs> clearly. Yes, it is. A, it is a child's room, and yet it is also Mum's bedroom, which raises all sorts of possible questions. Like, has this always been Mum's bedroom? Is this Mum's bedroom from when Mum was a child, and it's just continued to be her bedroom, or does has Mum 
deliberately chosen to live the life of a child in this lab. Yeah, which brings us to sort of quickly approaching the end of this episode, which is mm. that this episode also ends in a very venture prose esque moment. So, so there, <laughs> like there, there is this, another. There's yeah. a revelation again about Mum's personality where we we see this this kind of like arcade console setup mm-hmm. where which is kind of tracking the life of Jasper's the the pet cat and it's like it's like physically got like a reticle locked on to Jasper's and is kind of like following Jasper's through time and yeah, there's it, a it can time stamp like it's like mm. imagine Jasper's had CCTV on him at all times yeah. and there's a button like Similar to the the uh, setup that was in uh, the room that uh, the mayor was in in Act Two, where if you press the button, it tries to teleport Jasper's out of that scene, mm-hmm. and it kind of draws a a paradox version of Jasper's, which just dissolves into slime. But uh, a machine has been constructed next to it, which takes the slime. And tries to construct a new cat out of it, <laughs> and I, I think this is genuinely quite sad. Yes, this is. Uh, it, it, it's, this, it's 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 a tragic is... insight into Mum's character because, like, obviously, like Rose, like secretly cares Adores, about yes, Jasper's, yeah, but but Mum like really loved Jasper's to the point where she's created this like entire machine to try and if constitute. If not drag the actual cat out of the past, which is like clearly impossible, clone like create a sort of clone of the cat, and that's what the kitten that Rose has found is is an attempt at. It's an attempt to create a new Jasper's, but because like it's being created out of this like time paradox, like the the DNA is just getting scrambled, so it's creating these mutants. So when Rose does it here, she presses the button and it creates like an incredibly like twisted cat that has like two torsos. And yeah. like It's a bit grim. Yeah. Big grim. Uh so yeah, like you got this older like this parent who has a child's room in her basement and seemingly has not abandoned that child's room doing super science to revive a dead pet. And then the next sequence, as Rose goes through the uh, the sequence of events involved with Jasper's life, uh, which shows us how Jasper died, and, which is that Jasper's lo- got purified into a nearby river and drowned. Well, no. So, so let let let's go let's go through this like step by step because I think there are a lot there are a lot of like there's a lot of like really good like writing here i think like so we we come in on the scene where uh young rose probably about five or six is um oh no this this happens like we hear about like jasper's drowning and dying before we see that oh yeah yeah Yeah, okay the the animation plays immediately after like what happens then is that after rose retells us like oh yeah my mum found jasper's dead uh, in in a nearby mm. river, and then put a suit on him. And we held a burial for him. She but, plays no. through the memories, yeah, uh, so, of Jasper's through this device. But so, so to be clear, like 
like another another line that I really like regarding the suit is that Jasper's was already wearing a suit. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Ja- ja- Jasper's like as a living cat wore like had a suit made for him, and he seemed to wear it happily. And when like when Mum found Jasper's like dead body. Like she had a new suit made for the funeral. Yeah, it's it's a sort of play on a tuxedo cat. Yeah, basically, yeah. And like the scenario where Jasper's gets disappeared uh, or appearified away from the family and into a nearby river is right when so Rose was it's... talking. She was doing like a little sit-in therapy session yeah. with Jasper's, and Jasper's was about to tell her a she, big she... secret. Yeah, she she's doing a sort of make believe mm-hmm. with with Jasper's, like holding like a fake interview. But then there's there is a panel where like Jasper's is up to Rose's ear and is like holding up a paw, like conspiratorially, like whispering something in her ear. And Rose said, "That's yeah, that's when Jasper's told me his big secret." Mm-hmm. And then Jasper's is immediately like disappearified. And then yeah, there's a little <laughs> But then there is a like. A glitch in the feed, like it, it's it's meant to track all the Jasper's movements, but there's a period of about a week where there is just like static mm-hmm. instead of actually tracking where Jasper's is, and then when it's able to pick Jasper's up again, Jasper's is in the river, so Jasper's appears to have been like jumped specifically through time. Yes, for some unknown reason. Like it's or, not, and it do, it doesn't make sense because Rose hasn't done it here, and it's not something that Mum would have done unless she did it by accident. So, or there are just memories that have been removed from this system, and Jasper's yes, just spent a week in got, a river, or got something else that, done to them before they were dumped in a river. It would it would be a bit weird for someone to go into the the like the computer files and delete parts of. Jasper sitting in a river where Jasper being found in the river is still in there in the memory. Like nothing's being yeah. actually hidden there. But it does seem like something is being hidden, especially Potential when you can see. Theory is obviously I don't know for sure, you will, so don't comment yeah. either way. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, is that potentially the secret that Jasper's shared with those? What well, did actually share a secret, could actually talk as a cat. And what Jasper's told Rose was something about what her mum was up to. And her mum had to quickly deal with it. Brutally. Possibly. Yeah. <laughs> she yeah, had to murder poor Jasper's. So, something, to, something to take into consideration when we think about, like, Jasper's quote-unquote secret and whether, like, this is something that actually happened or not mm. is, is Rose's motivation for playing the game in the first place. Like Rose wants Jasper's back, but for like, is is that is is that purely just to bring back like a pet that she loved, or is is it tied into the fact that Jasper's potentially told her something, and she wants the chance to actually like further ask questions because we see that Jasper's tell like potentially tells her something and then is immediately disappeared, and then Rose never sees Jasper's alive again. So is is this is this something that Rose has been told that has like lived with her for a long time, and she's seeing playing the game and potentially bringing Jasper's back as a a means of finally getting closure 
on on that being on what she was told. But either way, following on on from this, we get what is so far the absolute funniest sequence. Um, <laughs> Corral the, for Jaspers, yeah, Corral for Jaspers, which is. If if the previous sequence being described to you was not very Venture Bros-esque, this is absolutely ju- Venture Bros-esque of like one of the weird, many weird funerals that they show you in, in Venture Bros of like <laughs> someone being buried to a very not characteristic song or like something just twisted, which is the entire life of Jasper's being played out to an organ-driven piece with twisted and contorted meows playing over it. It's where... it's like a Mario Paint song. Yeah, you, yeah, you know is. the cat sound in Mario yeah. Paint is Meow. like they they turn that into a a a choral piece. A, yeah, a it's sort like they of like... hit it with Jack Stretch. Uh, is that the name of it? Jack Stretch. I don't remember the one that stretches things out. Mm. So it sounds like anguish instead of uh, a cat. Um, but yeah, she sees got this like meow 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 like it's it's written like it's an actual like thing a choir would sing but done entirely in like cat sounds mm-hmm. and like it, it it's a it, it's a good bit of tonal distance because you see you've seen all of these like hints of like how how badly like the death of Jasper's has mentally impacted the members of this family and then you have this darkly comic scene of like watching a funeral for a cat in a suit yeah um we see like jasper's laid out in in the sarcophagus uh black suit and then mum and rose both also suited up like in in a dress black in rose full looking, gear yeah yeah like, rose looking like a little kid looking miserable like clearly miserable, like like you would be if you're at the burial of your pet and you turned it into a big affair. <laughs> like I, I can sort of see why Rose would resent Mum for doing this. Yeah, this is because it makes it so much worse. Yeah, um, like if you, if you are already sad about the the death of your pet, like you could, I like you could see why Rose interprets this as, like, her mum being, like, passive-aggressively mocking of the situation rather than being genuine grief because it is just so out there as an expression of grief to hold a funeral service this involved for for a cat. Like, she has a mausoleum built. Yeah. And- <laughs> uh, actually, it's a meowsy worm. Jesus Christ. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. yeah, I'm telling myself to fuck off after that one. <laughs> um, but yeah, the the song is actually what I'm going to play us out to with this it, episode. It, it, yeah, ab- ab- absolutely play it because it, yeah. it, it, it's some, it, it And I, 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 I genuinely do like like the tune that. The, <laughs> but, but, I, I've said it before about lay motifs, but this, this like this this choral tune. Does come like in fact you've seen the the second where it's used in the in the secret bonus page like it is it is a tune that comes back in various guises and I do I do genuinely like a lot of the times that it's used it's just it's very weird that the first time it's used in the comic is a funeral a funeral dirge for a cat. Mm-hmm. Um, we should quickly note that over this process a timer has actually started for those as well and she's just been watching this video like this memory lane of her dead cat the entire time 
And um, the the way the timer is like so you mentioned the like logo of the of the company on the wall. Yeah, it's below the, the logo. There it's it's below the logo and there's a plaque saying disestablished in and then drop down to account a, t- a timer that mm. has like 16 digit slots on it like that a timer that could have accommodated like thousands of years potentially <laughs> and it's been counting down to the disestablishment of the company <laughs> yeah um so yeah as as i say it could not get more venture bros-esque it's like a, a stupid inversion on like weird science fictiony things mixed in with bizarre fucked up family relations <laughs> and and like senses of loss with this um but at the end of this little sequence here um rose realizes that this is an purifier can bring jasper's back from any time and jasper's did just get like his dead body did just get seemingly destroyed when it fell out of her inventory, which would have been about 30 minutes ago for us in this discussion. But she tries again, purifying him, and what do you know, Jasper's comes back. It was not a, a disintegration beam. When we say come back, it's still the corpse. Yeah, it's still a corpse, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's not, it's not reconstituted Jasper's as a living cat. But with this, she then does a quick dive and an action roll with with Jasper's and the little mutant cat with the four eyes into the central purifier and uh, gets warped out of this underground basement. And that's where we'll leave it. We when we and we still have a considerable way to go, but I yeah. we've made progress. Is the thing? Yeah, this is this might have to like. There's definitely going to be at least one more episode from this act. Unlike four, um, it I might believe even be three. We're we're not going to have the huge uh, racist doll preamble in the in the next one. So I I reckon we can manage it. I I don't know. We don't know when we might record the next part. <laughs> there could be a sequel. <laughs> Oh dear! There could be a follow-up. We could find out that he gets arrested in I, I in really Turkey for for a second collection of racist dolls. <laughs> it turns out he'd been collecting dolls of like the 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 sultans of the Ottoman Empire while over there. They're also very racist. It gets asylum in uh, the Netherlands. <laughs> he- <laughs> Turns out the Netherlands was like, yeah, yeah, he just he just collected into what Pete, you know? Is it Zwart Pete or Zwite Pete? I don't uh, know. I, not my language. Email in. Not 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 a language. Just saying it. Not a language. I don't think we have any listeners in the Netherlands. The Belgian listener we have, they'll appreciate that. <laughs> Stir up some hatred. <laughs> anyway, uh, as as previously alluded, there will be more. So, with this, if you fancy getting in touch about anything we said in this episode, you can contact us at theapuk at gmail.com. And I've been Carl. I've been Fraser. Thank you so much for, for bearing with us. Yes, and this has been a colossal waste of time. Goodbye. Enjoy the meows. Goodbye. Goodbye.